106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. This video is for Gavin Newsom. Um, I'm gonna wait for a response from you, but I'm not. I'm not gonna stop messaging you, tweeting you, making videos to you, emailing you, writing you, calling you. I want to know what you're going to do for us Californians. I have had a business in downtown Sacramento for 15 years, a successful business. I now have to leave my place a business. I have to close my shop. Um, I own a hair salon. Yes, I can go do hair somewhere else, but it's not as convenient to my clients as downtown Sacramento is. Thank God I live an hour and 10, 20 minutes away from there. But I just want to tell you what happens when I get to work. I have to clean up the poop and the pee off of my doorstep. I have to clean up the syringes. I have to politely ask the people who I care for, I care for these people that are homeless, to move their tents out of the way of my, my, the, the, business, my the door to my business. I have to fight off people that push their way into my shop that are homeless and on drugs because you won't arrest them for drug offenses. I have to apologize to my clients as to why they can't get into my door because there's somebody asleep there because they're not getting the help they need. I talked to the police officers. They told me to contact you. They want to do something and they can't. You change the laws. So I want to know what you're going to do for us, the ones that are unhappy. You want to make us a sanctuary state. You want to make it comfortable for everybody except for the people that work hard and have tried their hardest to get along in life and now we have to change that because of your laws. Your liberal ideology is not working and I don't know who you're trying to please. So while you sit in your million dollar home and you don't have to look at what we have to look at, there's hardworking people out there that have to deal with this on a daily basis. What are you gonna do for us? day to you. This is No Hostages Radio, and you're listening to Lou Benninger. This is our 22nd episode, if you're kind of following this. And if you're a new listener, let me just give you some options. If you want to contact me, I've got a couple uh, emails this week, people giving me information and wanting to give me information to keep me better informed. One person said he wanted to help me uh, know more about the emergency medical services and the costs and stuff up and he's from nevada county that's just the county to the east of us up the hill into the sierra nevada mountain range and i'm anxious to talk to him because i'm interested in firefighters and law enforcement and work a lot with them every day so um you can reach me if you want to email me at uh lou l-o-u at no hostages plural, no hostages, radio, lou at nohostagesradio.com. You can email me. And also you could text me if you wanted at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. Or you could call that number as well. Uh, if you 
do not get a live response on that number, you'll hear trauma intervention program. This is Lou. So just remember that's a, a nonprofit that I run as well as do an occasional podcast. So don't think you got the hospital if I say trauma intervention program. So five three zero seven one three one eight three eight and Lou at nohostagesradio.com. So uh, if you picked up this podcast through wherever you normally pick up podcasts like Google or iTunes or whatever, uh, you can also, uh, if you're on a computer sitting around your house, you can just get us to our website, as I mentioned, nohostagesradio.com. Also, I put on that same site uh, articles that I write for a weekly newspaper that you can get hard copies of in the about four counties, Yuba, Sutter, Nevada, and Calusa. You can get hard copies, or you can go online at territorialdispatch.biz, biz. But you can get the ra- the radio podcast or the podcast and the articles that I write without looking at the rest of the paper, if you don't wish to do that, at the, the No Hostages website. So there's that. And uh, thank you for listening. And so if this is your first go at us, uh, we're here for, we do a six segments, about 20 minutes a piece, uh, where we talk about, uh, we try to talk about uh, local things, California, Northern California, as well as we get into some other topics, occasionally national, international. Some people that live here where I live, and I live in Marysville, California, it's a very small town, uh, 45 minutes north of Sacramento and uh, some of my friends say Lou we like it best when you talk about really local stuff and uh, I I understand that because they live here and things you know things touch us the most that happen right under our feet so when there's problems locally uh, people want to get the word out hey 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 how can we stop this how can we change this how can we do this that or the other thing whereas we feel like we have less and less uh, influence and impact the farther away government is from us. Our founding fathers felt that and had a revolution revolution over it because they thought, how can people from England without any internet, no telephones, no anything, manage us from across the Atlantic Ocean, right? So we have trouble in Northern California even feeling like we have good communication with the folks in Sacramento, which is in Northern California. That's our state capital, if you're listening from another state. And then we see what's going on in Washington, D.C., which is almost another country separate from us. It's so distant, and we feel like we have so little influence, right? So some of my friends said we like it when you talk about local stuff. So we, <clears throat> I don't try to achieve a balance. I just talk about what's most important or what's on my heart, some to use a cliche, what's most important to me right now. And, uh, but I'm always looking at all kinds of stuff throughout the week. So uh, I hope you're doing well. I know uh, most of the folks listening to us are out of California, but I think the second most is out of Missouri because I have a friend that moved back there and he's been putting the word out, passing the podcasts and the articles around electronically and and uh, people are dipping into the show so wherever you're from whether you're from i know we have uh, maybe the third most is over in idaho 
And, uh, you know, we have refugees that are displaced people, however you want to call it, that are leaving California. They're either leaving because they're fed up and they're leaving right in the middle of careers and everything else, or maybe they're just getting into retirement, or they planned to leave as soon as they can because the cost of living here is one of the highest costs of living in the United States. And on top of that is uh, we, we essentially have a socialist government that is controlling every move we make. You have to have, get permission to do anything around here anymore. And uh, whether it's you want to turn on the water or you want to wash a car or you want to paint your house or anything you want to do, pretty much you have to check in with your uh, masters of the plantation. And that isn't uh, that isn't freedom. That isn't uh, what this country. That isn't liberty. That isn't freedom. That isn't what this country was built upon. We have far too much government. And uh, and the sad thing is, when people, we even vote people in that we think think like us. And when they get in there, they they drink. We we use the term drink the Kool Aid, right? And what happens is is all of a sudden maybe they're a plumber or a contractor, or a school teacher, or a mechanic, and they get in there, and they think they're, like, infallible. And, like, they're, they, they're just amazingly smart. And the, and the reason they think that is they start believing their own press clippings, and everybody says, oh, oh, you're the city councilwoman, or, oh, you're the you're supervisor, uh, super-duper. And, and so they keep hearing it, oh, oh, you're the supervisor's here. You know, I never even recognize all these politicians in a meeting, in a group meeting, when I'm conducting a meeting. Uh, I just think it's ridiculous. It it makes them a special class of people. They aren't. They they never were intended to be a special class of people. But I, I've noticed different meetings uh, where it's being conducted that the master ceremonies of some politician or some city councilman, and they they spend the first ten or fifteen minutes. Well, we have Judge So and So here, and we have oh, there's we have three city councilmen, and then they have to apologize for all the people they overlooked. It just it's just so ridiculous. Uh, it just so incredibly hypocritical as if uh so what happens is these people make some really stupid decisions over our lives and then say well you know that's what the staff told us you know the staff recommended this when i was on a board some of my best decisions was going against the staff because they they didn't they didn't have my perspective and when we elect people to office we're we're electing them based upon what they told us their perspective was not what the staff said if you, the staff is the swamp, <clears throat> the people that are being referred to as the swamp in the United States are the staff members running this country. And, and now they've all got uppity and they think, hey, to hell with you. If you're elected official, we're going to do what we want. And if, you, if we think you're too different from us, we will throw you out of office, right? We will sabotage your experience here in Washington, D.C. or in Sacramento or even at the local level, we will sabotage you, right? So that's what's going on. And um, there's just misinformation everywhere. I just cannot believe, I, I, I feel like I'm under the influence of some kind of psychedelic drug because I cannot believe how crazy, it doesn't matter whether you look on the internet, you look on your phone and look on news on your phone, you look on... Uh, 
I, I don't even have a television, but if I'm somewhere, I look on television, it's just the stuff being said, most of it is just total crap. It's dishonest. It's an agenda. It's editorializing. It, uh, they are not giving news, which is what's happening. So I give you an example. Remember, we passed the straw law where we can't have straws because we're destroying the environment. And they came up with a figure that Americans are burning through like 500,000 straws a day. And no one ever, no, no one counts straws. This kid who started this just came up with this thing. Well, I ran across, there, there are some statistics. I don't know how they come up with them. What country puts the most plastic into the ocean? Which one do you think it is? If you listen to the media, it's obviously the United States of America because we are just big wasters. We're rich and fat and we waste, waste, waste. Well, they measure it in metric tons. And if you've traveled much, which I've had the privilege of doing, I never did have the, have the itch to travel, but because of the job I ended up with, <clears throat> I they flew me all over the world for a while. And then I after I... Uh, uh, I still work with them, but I don't get paid. But I, I, now I fly myself all over the world. I pay for my own travels. But, but I've been in most of these um, countries I'm going to give you are near to them. So China, that I've spent many, 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 many uh, trips to China. China leads the world in putting 8.8 metric tons uh, annually of plastic into the ocean, 8.8 metric tons. The second most is Indonesia. Why Indonesia? Because it's the fourth biggest population in the world, Indonesia. And it puts 3.2 million. And if you travel in these countries, you can see the plastic being wasted, right? And Philippines is third, 1.9 million uh, metric tons. Sorry, uh, 1.9 metric tons, million metric tons. And uh, Sri Lanka, 1.6 million metric tons. Thailand, 1.0 metric tons. Bangladesh, 0.8 tenths million metric tons and the United States point three tenths of million metric tons. So we go from 8.8 to United States point three tenths million metric tons. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the, that's the top plastic polluters in the world. And, uh, everybody wanting to cut China a big deal. All you have to do is get into China and take a train across China and go through areas that are totally black with pollution. United States, if we were perfect and not polluting, if we didn't pollute at all, we would not have any effect, any measurable effect on the rest of the world because it's a big old world out there and we're just a little tiny part of it. And uh, if we think 
if you think that we can change the thermostat on the world one degree, you need to go over and check in at 1965 Live Oak Boulevard. That would be Yuba Sutter Behavioral Health, and they will see you for free. You can do a walk-in, and they will diagnose you uh, quickly. They have quick service over there. By the way, if you're addicted to drugs, you can drop in over there Monday through Thursday, and you don't even need an appointment. I think it's 8 to 2, 8 to 2, Monday through Thursday. You don't even need an appointment, and they will sit down with you and help think through how they can help you. And they got a lot of help over there. In other words, whether you need to go into full-blown rehab or whether they can do outpatient rehab or whatever. So anyhow, uh, you, if, if you think that uh, the United States is going to change the level of the oceans, like Obama used to claim, or going to change the temperature of the world, uh, uh, maybe you've smoked a lot of marijuana or taken a lot of LSD or something, 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 but you ain't thinking right. Now, the other thing I noticed this week that I found very fascinating, uh, if you, you know, the Second Amendment of the United States has to do with gun rights and protecting our rights to keep guns because the founding fathers believed that if, if this government got out of hand, people were going to need to be weaponized to take the government down and straighten it out. Got it? It had nothing to do with defending yourself against your neighbor or shooting a deer for for winter meat. So this is a fact. It was just a sketch of the world, the entire world. Right. And then it has the United States and its separate state of Alaska. It doesn't show Hawaii on here. I guess Hawaii is probably too small, but you could have United States, Alaska and Hawaii. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, isn't Puerto Rico a state? I thought, gee, you sound like Obama now. Remember Obama? He said, he, he said we've gone to almost 58 states in, during his campaign. You remember, we never could figure out, did he actually graduate or not? Because they would never open his student records. So uh, this map is just a pen and ink map. It's white with, with all this, the countries all lined out. And then the United States is painted in in red to highlight it. it says if you don't like the second amendment use this map and find an airport the point of this was or is that there's no other country in the world not 197 countries that has a second amendment we are unique to that and uh it's a pretty special thing in fact there's a lot of amendments to the constitution and the rights that we have that other countries don't have. But Second Amendment is one of them. So what it's saying is if you just have this, if you get hives and you have diarrhea every time you think of a gun or the Second Amendment, it's saying, hey, the world is at your footstep, at, at your uh, feet. You can go anywhere. Go to Mexico. Go to South America. Go to, go to Canada. Go to Greenland. Go to Brazil. Go to Venezuela. Go to Russia, China, uh, India, and there will be no Second Amendment if you don't like it. There's so many people that we want we we want to get rid of overturn the Second Amendment. It's just easy. It just just move. It just go someplace else, and you can have whatever benefits you think you'll have without a Second Amendment. Another, uh, uh, I I love 
political cartoons. It's a picture of Trump and uh, Qi, the the uh, Chinese emperor, and they both have red caps on, like the America, Keep America Great or Make America Great. And Trump's hat says Keep America Great. Qi, his hat says Make America Bow Again. And in between is the jackass or donkey that represents the Democrats, and they are looking at Trump like hateful. He's looking at them like hateful, and they have their arm around Chi. Don't you notice that, that the, that the Democrats are all think China is just the best thing since noodle soup? Here's one. Inoculate your kids against socialism. And I love this by having them clean the bathroom and pay them, pay them, pay them for cleaning the bathroom. Right. So this will work. It says inoculate. That means to, you know, inoculation, immunization, immunize, immunize your kids against socialism by having them clean the bathroom, pay them $10. But before you actually give it to them, take $7 away and give it to their their brother or sister who didn't want to help, right? So they get $3. You pay them 10 but they only benefit by 3 But the, the sister or brother who didn't do anything but sit and watch cartoons, he gets 7 Don't you think that's perfect? I love that. It, socialism is so attractive when you actually see what it's made of. These are some uh, notable quotations I love this. If we give Trump four more years, the planet may never recover from this utter disregard for climate crisis and scientific fact. Joe Biden. Joe has lost his mind. First of all, he doesn't know what a fact is, and there isn't any climate crisis. The crisis is in the minds of people. That's the crisis. People are in crisis. Not the, the earth is not in crisis. It's people on the earth that are in crisis. God is okay. God is not in crisis. God is not. God did not go in for counseling. The earth is fine. Joe Biden also said white folks are the reason we have institutional racism. I don't think Joe could spell institutional and I don't think he could define institutional racism. And the fact is that there's racism all over the world and whites aren't even involved in it. There's racism between Asians, right, between different uh, Asian ethnic groups in Myanmar, which used to be called Burma, not Burma shave, Burma. Uh, there, there are uh, race. There's racism in Vietnam between minority groups, Asian minority groups and other Asian majority groups. There's racism in Russia between whites and whites, between Russians and Ukrainians. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It has nothing to do with the flavor of your skin. So I got a, several of these I'm going to do today. They're kind of interesting, and, and uh, they're short. And, uh, but before that, we're going we're gonna to take a break right here. I'm going to play you a short clip. I'm going to take a drink of water and then come right back. Uh, it talks about the trade battle uh, with a country named China that has been stealing probably about $500 million a year from the United States and ripping us off with tariffs. And uh, then there's a term limit clip I want to play, and then we'll be right back 
and carry on with our second segment. Okay, thank you very much. Well, if you ever plan the motor west, travel my way, that's a highway, that is the best. Get your kicks out on Route 66. Uh, President Trump tweeting right now for many years. China and many other countries has been taking advantage of the United States on trade, intellectual property theft, and much more. Our country has been losing hundreds of billions of dollars a year to China with no end in sight. It continues. Sadly, past administrations have allowed China to get so far ahead of fair and balanced trade that it has become a great burden to the American taxpayer. As president, I can no longer allow this to happen. In the spirit of achieving fair trade, we must balance balance this very unfair trading relationship. China should not have put new tariffs on $75 billion of U.S. product, politically motivated, starting on October 1st. The $250 billion of goods and products from China currently being taxed at 25% will be taxed at 30%. Additionally, the remaining $300 billion of goods and products from China that was being taxed from September 1st at 10% will now be taxed at 15%. Thank you for your attention to this matter. The most resistance we had from balancing the budget over a 10-year period was, was, it was from all the senior members, particularly the appropriators in the Senate, including and especially the Republican leadership. Uh, it was just such a good example of a wave of new people who came in with fresh from the campaign uh, trail where they made all these promises and commitments to people and they came with vision and just love for the country. But everyone told them immediately that their expectations were too high. And that's what this place does to you. It dumbs down your expectation within weeks of getting here. And the nexus of power and reward is all from seniority, the fundraising gets more, the special interests get behind you, and then you have more control of the communications. And if you are trying to cut spending, like if I had to give you one thing, it would be we've got to balance the budget. We, we cannot keep spending more than we're bringing in. But cutting anything in Washington has so much punishment associated with it by every constituent of every program that no reasonable person is going to keep doing that. Um, if, if you, you're either going to go home or you're going to get unelected. And so we've got all the incentives in place here to destroy our country. I think one of the only ways to change those incentives is to bring new people up here who know they're going to be here for a short period and they're going to give it everything they've got for their country, and one way or another they're going to go home. Uh, but if they're fighting for a lifetime career, they're going to do what all of you have suggested right away, the calculus of what do I have to do to stay here. And it's to do something up here and pretend to be something else back home. That's the game. Tell me something good. Tell me that you love me, yeah. Tell me something good. Tell me that you All right, here we go again. Um, Here's another one. This is Bernie Sanders. Uh, this is this is an amazing guy. He gets married in the 1970s. And, you, you know, at that time, the Soviet Union was gnarly. I went there right after the fall of communism, and it was very difficult. 
very run down, very extremely, it, just an intense place. Says the Chinese, have, and so Bernie, when he got married, you know where they honeymooned? Just I'll think of all the places you'd like to go on a honeymoon, right? He and his wife chose to go to, to, go to Russia for their honeymoon. Incredible. The Chinese, he said, have made more progress in addressing extreme poverty than any country in the history of civilization. So they've done a lot of things for their people. Now, let me just say, this is a straw man argument. I'll give you an example. Say Bernie had a child that he tried to poison to death. And he almost poisoned him totally to death. Just give him a little poison every day. And Bernie got him really sick. But then people started noticing how sick they were. And he said, oh, I better, I better like treat them right and quit giving them that poison. And so he brought him back to health. And they give Bernie a big award and trophy for helping his son rebound from near death to robust health. Now, the Chinese killed, some people say, 50 to 60 million other people to get total control and have total communism where everybody is told what to do, when to do it, whether to work in rice, whether to grow a beet, whether to do this, whether to do that. And they almost starved to death. Now, the idiots in the United States think that they couldn't feed their population because they were like little rabbits screwing too much and having too many kids. But the real problem was the government was controlling the delivery of the food, the creation, delivering of food. And when any any time the government gets involved in the private sector, things fall apart and get worse. So basically, the Chinese not only murdered tens of millions of the people, they starved a bunch of them to death because they were too stupid to figure out that communism, socialism does not work. And in the 1979 or so. When they ch- began to change that from se- 79 to now, they, well, you wouldn't believe it if you went over there. There's nobody starving in China today. But he credits the Chinese. You know what changed China? Capitalism. Not the chi- Chinese government. Here's another one. Shortly after Trump took office, I noted that Republicans were preparing an ethnic cleansing. Now in 2019, I stand by that statement. So this is uh, <clears throat> University of Texas at, Texas at Austin entomology instructor Alex Wild, who later declared Trump is a Nazi. At this point, you are too if you still support him. Now, I don't know. Entomology, you could say that's the study of ents, E-N-T, but it actually means bugs. He, this guy, is Alex Wild, has dedicated his life to studying insects. But he seems to have a, a, you know, a really be perceptive. He's moved beyond insects occasionally to establish that Trump is a Nazi. You may say Trump's a lot of things, but it doesn't qualify as a Nazi. An entomologist, somebody that is giving his entire life uh, to study a bug. Here's another one. Trump does terrible things to people. The children are being detained in cages are a good example. If you think about it psychologically, this is what some of us once called soul murder. Now, I have never heard soul murder before. I I like the aspect that this uh, person, she's a, a retired, or not her, but him. He is a retired Harvard psychiatrist, Lance Dodes, D-O-D-E-S. 
So he claims that Trump is involved with soul murder. At least he believes we have a soul. I think that's good. <clears throat> that's a good start for Lance. Uh, so that's what he's doing to children. Now, I don't believe the Trump administration has built any cages since they took over from, I'm sure, Lance's guy that he'd probably want to have sex with, and that's Barack Obama. They're the ones that, and and before him, Mr. Bush, President Bush. They they If there's any cages been built, that would be them. Now, here's the deal. All those kids and all those people were living in total freedom wherever they came from. Mexican, Mexico, Honduras, Sri Lanka, uh, Somalia, wherever they came from to cross that southern border. They they could run it. They could float down a river. They could climb a mountain. They broke into this country. Right. And so all of a sudden. Liberals claim or think that anybody that can actually bust through the, the wall of this country deserves an apartment and uh, and food in the fridge. And electricity and toilet paper hanging off the little the little tube deal and soap for the shower that we should just be waiting for them and have all that prepared. It's crazy. It was it was the uh, Trump administration that actually wanted to uh, prepare more and better facilities and they wouldn't they wouldn't fund it back there in Washington, D.C. But nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, this is this is another uh, you know some some pastors are the stupidest people I know. This guy, Reverend William Barber, says if someone calls it socialism, then we must compel them to acknowledge that the Bible must then promote socialism because Jesus offered free health care and he never charged the leper a copay. I thought you know something. This guy is so talking out his ear. Uh, Uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw responds to this comment by saying the Bible teaches charity with one's own time and money. Socialism teaches charity with other people's time and money. So I notice people taking my time and my money and giving it to the guy next door. That's what happens over in Marysville. So um, let's see. So we have a lady, a doctor, a medical doctor that is now filed uh, for a divorce from her husband. And her husband works for Muslim Representative Ilhan Omar. Well, if you know anything about Muslims, they're not supposed to be running around having sex with other people's partners or being divorcing people, women. So Representative Ilhan Omar, who I think she got over 70% of the vote in her, I call it, it's called Minnesota. That's what they named it originally, but now I call it Mini-Somalia. And over in Mini-Somalia, where they wanted one of their homegirls there because they want to recreate Somalia. They ran away from it and pleaded, please let us into the country. Somalia is so terrible. Now they want to create Mini-Somalia up north there. But the claim is that Representative Omar married her brother and filed that in tax returns, was getting a marriage discount on her taxes. But she was married to her brother, and plus it was benefiting her immigration. But now she's having relations with a guy named Tim Manette, who is her uh, finance 
guy for her campaigns, and Dr. Beth Manette learned about it and is divorcing him. So this this uh, Representative Omar just seems like she is kind of lawless. Now I was talking to a friend of mine came by last night and she said, oh, she's working in a law office, and she said, oh, one of our secretaries got in an accident. And and was and she was embarrassed because she's Mexican. She's telling me this, and she rolled her eyes and she said she she was hit by a drunk, illegal alien Mexican driving without a license, and uh, nothing was legal about this guy, and he he really damaged her, and so it just seems like a lot of immigrants don't want to follow the law, right? They want to come here, but they don't want to follow the law. Uh, so I like this quote I saw this week. I like Will Rogers. This guy died in 1935. He says, we are sure living in a peculiar time. You get more for not working than you will for working and more for not raising a hog than for raising one. That's Will Rogers. <clears throat> so now this is crazy. I read this and I thought this doesn't sound right. Let me see if, you, if it doesn't sound right to you. <clears throat> it says Bernie Sanders, this, the Washington Post wrote, wrote this. This doesn't make any sense. Bernie Sanders promises 20 million good paying unionized jobs. Now, that's a little tip of the hat to the unions, right? Unions are uh, fine if they want to organize on their own. No, they should be free to do that. But I don't think there should be government unions, right? Bernie Sanders promises 20 million good-paying unionized jobs. But then the, the Post says only about 6.1 million people are employed in the United States. In other words, they're saying, how, could, how can you add 20 million if there's only 6.1 people? Uh, oh, he said, oh, it says only about 6.1 million people are unemployed in the United States. I read it wrong. So it's interesting. He's promising they either have to stop killing children right at a million or so a year because he's got more jobs than you can than we have the people for right so i looked up uh how many people are employed there are about 160 million people in the united states we have about 300 million or so about 160 million people so 6.1 million still aren't employed he says he's going to get 20 million good paying jobs now bernie I don't know whether he's ever had a real job in his whole life. I don't think he could create a job. In the private sector, it doesn't cost probably anything to create a job. Businesses expand, and they've got more business than they can handle, so they need more people. So they say, we're hiring a couple more welders. That didn't cost the taxpayer a nickel. But if Obama wants to create jobs, then it costs $100,000, 300000 dollars $500,000 per job for the government to do it. It's just, it's just a loser deal all the way around. Uh, there's so many crazy things be, being said. Joe Biden says, I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Uh, honestly, these, these people are amazed. James Clapper, the national security director, the former, who actually was in on the overthrow of Trump. He said, maybe Trump wants to curry Vladimir Putin's favor to ensure he gets help in the 2020 election as he did in the 2016 election from the Russians. Clapper, you know what he reminds me of is an elephant. You know, if you ever look, he's got a big forehead and big ears. Uh, 
these guys, these guys need to be arrested. Comey, Clapper, Brennan, McCabe, Strzok, Page, the whole bunch of them. All these people uh, really need to be arrested and go to prison. Uh, then they can claim they're pro- political prisoners and suffering for somebody's sake. Uh, this is this guy, Robert O'Rourke, right? He calls himself Beto to sound Mexican. He ought to just carry around some salsa and chips with him everywhere he goes. Maybe then we see he's Mexican. He said, with the people of Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador reduce violence in their home communities, violence which we are somewhat to blame for, this sentence doesn't make any sense. I'm just reading it as it's, he said it. Guatemala is suffering one of the greatest droughts in recorded history, caused not by God, nor by Mother Nature. So at least we know who's running the things. we got a mother and God. But by you and me, we're causing this. All of us in our emissions, I guess he's talking about my, my car driving, and our excess, right, we have too much garbage, and our inaction in the face of the facts and the science and the truth. This guy is to- this guy needs to be forced on to take to take LSD. This guy needs he needs to have electroshock therapy. This guy's totally out of his mind and but he makes sense to to socialists in college. Here's Taylor Swift. Th- these people from Hollywood or the uh or Nashville, these people are real winners. We're we're a democracy, which we aren't. <clears throat> we are not a democracy. At least we're supposed to be, she said. This is Taylor Swift. We're a democracy. At least we're supposed to be, where you're allowed to disagree and dissent and debate. No, you're the only people that are allowed to disagree, dissent, and debate are Democrats. Republicans are not allowed any of those things. She said, I really think that Trump thinks this is an autocr- autocracy. Autocracy. So I was thinking about that. And I said, I bet Trump would like to have six months of him being an autocracy, autocracy, because then he'd get his wall. Then he would get all the tariffs and get the trade situation under control. He would get a number of things he wanted. Right. So uh, the other the last one is uh, Clark, Charlie Kirk. Uh, he's a conservative guy. He says this Planned Parenthood is planning on spending $20 million to influence the 2020 elections, you know, supporting candidates to elect Democrats. And he raises a question. If they have that kind of money, spare, spare cash, right? Like if you're really tight with your money, you're not going to give any money to politics, right? If you, you're like, hey, 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 we got to pay. We got to feed the kids. We got to buy clothes. We got to, you know, we got to pay for college. We got to do this. You're not, you know. If you don't have any extra money. So if they have 20 million extra, he asks a good question. Why are taxpayers subsidizing Planned Parenthood? So anyway, just a thought. I want to mention uh, before we get into the third segment here and and get on to some other topics that are kind of the highlight topics I'm going to focus on first. Uh, I want to mention that uh, thank uh, Elite Universal Security for helping us. They're having some, uh, their their firearms training is coming up. If you want to uh, get licensed to carry a concealed weapon, you can get in on their training on sep- the weekend of September 7 and 8, or 
uh, 28 and 29. And one of those days is you're in class and then the other day is out on the on the range. And you can also get in in on a renewal if you already have your license, but you just want to renew it. You can go in on the second day of those days of those weekends, the 7th and 8th and the 28th and 29th. If you're looking for a job, there's lots of jobs out there in in um, the the guard business, the security business people. Uh, the security situation is out of control. I uh, talked to a friend of mine last night. She said they were looking out the window downtown Marysville, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and a lady took off all her clothes and tapped into the site of a mortuary and was was uh, pulling off the faucet there and took a complete bath, uh, standing right out before God and everybody, naked as, naked as can be, and... Uh, Cleaned herself all up, did her hair, uh, you know, washed her hair, washed her body, then washed her clothes, got her clothes, washed her clothes all naked, and then brought her dog over, washed her dog, and uh, and and the entire office just was, was like, shocked. So, uh, you know, there's some things going on, and in, in, I'm just speaking for Marysville, where I live, there's some things going on here that people never seen before. We're... You know, when the when the uh, liberals wanted to rewild California, that means get all the people off it and let it go back to the spiders and and mice and rats and uh, cougars and deer and just the wild. Right. Nobody allowed. No people allowed. People are the invaders. So uh, so this is one step towards rewilding where people don't even have any kind of courtesy. You just take a poop wherever you feel like it. Take a pee wherever you feel like it. Throw your garbage wherever you feel like it. Sleep wherever you feel like it. It doesn't matter whether you own the property. Property rights are gone down the tubes. Uh, if they people wants to use your water, use your electricity, uh, sleep in your backyard, it doesn't make any difference. Or, or I, I uh, in fact, in our the show today at the beginning of the show, we let off with a lady or a young lady that that start and ran ran started and ran a. Uh, Hair salon down downtown Sacramento, and she said she she does a rant right at the you heard it at the beginning of the show, and uh, you know people camping right in you know she's cleaning up their mess right in her doorway downtown Sacramento. Well, you you city Marysville, we got it here. I mean, you can't even it's ruined the whole uh, river experience. We got people digging into the levees. We spent hundreds of millions of dollars building these brand new levees, and people are digging holes in the levees. And sliding it, building slip and slides down the levees. Unbelievable stuff's going on. It's all a part of rewilding or or letting the the uh, creating a crisis. And then when people are exasperated with the crisis, the government creates a crisis. Then when when the people are exasperated, they come in and they take over everything. And uh, what is removed is liberty and freedom. So uh, if you need security. Call 530-749-0280, 530-749-0280. I just heard where a friend of mine lost $50,000 in equipment off a tree trimming operation, and, and that happened twice. And if, if you need your equipment to be watched over or you need some ideas on how to protect your building— from squatters or all that kind of stuff. If you want to get a job and being and you want to get training to be, work in the uh, 
the private law enforcement business, you can connect with these guys and they will help you. And they got jobs in Butte County, Sacramento, Yuba County, Sutter County, clear up to the Oregon border. If you want a job, no excuses. So, uh, we're going to listen to a clip right now. It's, uh, Five stories the media was afraid to tell you about. They just, you know, the media censors the news. Did you know that by in the way they do that is they just don't bring it up. They just don't talk about it. We'll be right back. I went down to the river and I took a look around. They were old men's shoes There were needles on the ground No more mysteries, baby No more secrets What the mainstream media was afraid to tell you about the news this week? This week, while the mainstream media spent their time obsessing over former press secretary Sean Spicer competing on Dancing with the Stars, here are the things that happened that really matter. The so-called ethnic studies bill in the state of California that would have taught your child in public school that capitalism is racist and encouraged your kid to participate in the anti-Semitic BDS movement, that has been delayed by a year, thanks to your backlash. The author of the bill pulled the piece of legislation from consideration, saying problems are there that the people need time to work out. But did the mainstream media report on this? Not the national news networks. But you should give yourself a pat on the back because every one of you who called and emailed and wrote to the California Department of Education made a difference in stopping this atrocious bill. A bombshell new report from a data scientist named Dr. Robert Epstein exposes Google's bias in their search results. According to Dr. Epstein's scientific study, Google's liberal bias in their search results and what content they show users could have shifted between 2.6 and 10.4 million votes in 2016 in favor of Hillary Clinton. Dr. Epstein says if this bias isn't stopped, the big tech company and others could have the power to shift up to 15 million votes in 2020. But did the mainstream media report on this? This is kind of a big deal and a threat to our republic. But nope, the mainstream media barely touched on the story except to report on Hillary Clinton's baseless allegations that Dr. Epstein is not credible, even though he is a Hillary Clinton supporter himself and a well-respected scientist whose work has been published in scientific journals worldwide. Kamala Harris claims she is not comfortable with Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan and that her Medicare for All plan does not abolish private health insurance, but rather gives patients a choice between a government option or a private plan. But this is not true. First of all, Kamala Harris was a co-sponsor of Bernie's Medicare for All plan just last year. She said she was proud to sponsor his plan, and her plan now does abolish private insurance. It just takes a couple of years longer than Bernie's before 180 million Americans will ultimately lose their current health insurance plans. But did the mainstream media fact check Kamala Harris's lies? No, no, they did not. The mainstream media was quiet. Planned Parenthood withdraws from the Title X family planning funding program this week due to the new rules from the Trump administration that prohibits organizations that perform abortions or refer for abortion from getting federal funding. 
which is a euphemism for your taxpayer dollars. Planned Parenthood claimed President Trump forced them out of Title X, but that is not true. Planned Parenthood voluntarily chose to withdraw and forego the $60 million because they chose abortion over actual health care for women. But did the mainstream media uh, correct the factually untrue narrative from Planned Parenthood about Trump forcing them out of Title X? Nope. The mainstream media played along and acted like Planned Parenthood is the victim. The New York Times 1619 project is full of historical lies. The project itself is intended, according to the Times, to reframe our nation's history to paint everything exceptional about America as being born from slavery, thereby demonizing America as inherently racist and evil. But the basis on which this argument is built is faulty. The New York Times claims the American Revolution was fought because the American colonies wanted to preserve slavery. But that's simply not true. It was the British governor in Massachusetts who vetoed the state's effort to abolish slavery. And many of the founding fathers said that they hoped the revolution would lead to the abolition of slavery. Thomas Jefferson included in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence a paragraph decrying the evil of slavery that was imposed on the American colonies by the British crown. But did the mainstream media report on the lies, the revisionist history, the political agenda, the faulty premise that underpins the 1619 Project. Nope. The mainstream media is in the pocket of the left, and the left wants you to believe that all the founding documents were based on the evil of slavery so that the left has justification to get rid of those documents now. The mainstream media doesn't care to report any of that to you, so we will. And that is my final point. Welcome back. Well, uh, last week uh, I talked about and and I wrote about uh, what was going on in a in a uh, infrastructure project in the city of Marysville on a lake that once was a slough, and uh, then a private individual by the name of W. T. Ellis Jr. Uh, it was out the back door of his house. He could see this lake. It was just an old slough. It was drainage because we're between Marysville's between two rivers. And he had this vision of making a full-blown lake out of it. So he began to buy up property for a very cheap price around the edge of this slough because nobody wanted to be on the edge of the slough. It's full of mosquitoes and all kinds of riffraff. And he liked the place. And there used to be ducks landing in there. And at that time, it was so rural around Marysville, you could shoot a shotgun and kill ducks right there in Ellis Lake before it was made a lake. It was just a slough. Muck. And it would get high in the wintertime when there was a lot of rain. And then it would get low uh, in the summer when it was just hot, 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 hot. And <clears throat> and so, anyway, uh, eventually, the uh, women's club, Marysville Women's Club, decided, hey, we're going to start lobbying to make this thing into a lake. And they combined with W.T. Ellis, and the lake started to take shape. And then uh, with the Depression and the uh, the working, the WPA workforce, uh, they, put, they put the lake together. So the lake was kind of began as a private uh, vision, not government, but private. 
another of uh, when you think of Ellis Lake, you think, well, what are the big things around here were created by private individuals, right? W.T. Ellis bought up all that property and ended up donating it to the city to make a city lake out of it, right? But it was really the vision and hard work and money of a private individual that got it all started. The second big uh, recreational or something that you can find pleasure in around here is a place called Riverfront Park. And I, 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 I think they call it the Wheeler Soccer, uh, I don't know what they call it, Soccer Complex or whatever, but they name it, I think, after Wheeler, Mike Wheeler and his family. But I always think of it as a Lynn Marks Soccer Complex because <clears throat> Lynn Marks is a pediatrician, still practicing, but he was practicing uh, 30 years ago uh, when I met him. And uh, he was coaching soccer, and I was coaching soccer. He was much, he was a real legitimate coach. I was kind of a fake coach. They recruited me. And um, so uh, he became a, a huge soccer advocate and helped form uh, the soccer organization locally here. And, and at that time, we were playing on soccer fields all over the Twin Cities, the two counties because there wasn't one spot we could put all the kids. There were so many kids wanting to play. So he had the idea of taking Riverfront Park, which is just a mess between the two cities of Yuba City, Marysville, and the two counties, Yuba and Sutter, separated by the Feather River. And uh, he he thought, hey, if we could get control that, just use that property, which is just, it was just wild down there. Garbage, brush, thistles, just a mess. Nobody could benefit from it, and just the fishermen could fish on the river, which is a good place to fish, but the rest of it was just a mess. And so he he uh, got a collaboration of the, op- the operating engineers, service clubs, contractors, churches, and in fact, our church, Glad Tidings, was involved in doing a lot of the big plumbing to pull the water out of the river and, and irrigate the fields. Anyway... That complex has been there for three decades at least now, and uh, over three decades, and been a blessing to like, I think there's, I don't know, two to three or three to four thousand kids playing soccer down there on the weekends now, just started. But that was the vision and ingenuity and the the sweat and, and uh, the backbone of volunteers and and people working in a collaborative effort to put that together. The recent, uh, a recent thing that people probably don't know that much about is uh, the city of Marysville allowed our boat ramp, which is would was highly used uh, at Riverfront Park to for boaters and anybody that wanted to get on the water with a, a jet ski or whatever, or kayakers or whatever, to drop in right there. Beautiful uh, ramp, concrete ramp. And they just allowed the whole inlet to be filled in with silt. In other words, they didn't clean it out because they thought it was too laborious to go to the state and get permits. And so for years, they just allowed it to be, uh, it was unusable, just overgrown with weeds. It's just a big mess. And Bill Simmons and Chris Pettigo in the Yuba City or the Marysville City Council did the legwork and they used uh, contractors that worked pro bono, or as my Mexican friends tell me, Sunny Bono. That means you didn't cost you anything. And uh, and they used the uh, National Guard, who they're operating engineer-type people that uh, 
truckers and backhoe people. Anyway, they put together the whole thing and cleaned that all out, and now boaters and all kind of water water uh, recreation enthusiasts can use that again, right? All done outside of government. It wasn't used with government funds. So now uh, there's been this debate for many years about how how come we can't keep the lake clean? Just a very simple thing. Private industry could keep the lake clean, but the government can't. And it reminds me of, and I mentioned this last week, about the Woolman Skating Rink fiasco. And uh, and I, I want to bring it up again because it is so indicative of how incompetent government is. I heard, I was talking to one of the guys, uh, Charlie Matthews, this week uh, about uh, his wanting to donate $10,000 and do the legwork to get all the permits and get the pump back working to pump water out of Yuba River into Ellis Lake and clean it up because snowmelt water doesn't have the minerals that algae feeds on that well water does. And the city, in its brilliance, either couldn't afford to pump because they couldn't figure out that you could pump at night for about half the price with a with a meter with a uh, uh, to, to have a turn on valve where it'd come on automatically. Uh, they think, oh, well, nobody's working at night, so we can't run the pump. So we're not going to run the pump at all because it costs too much PG&E during the day. So Dale Whitmore convinced him to put a cheap timer on it and turn it on in the middle of the night, right? But but then even with that, uh, so in other words, what we had is a stagnant lake, no no water in, no water out. And when they turned on the water over the last few years, it just pumped mineral-rich well water, which algae just loves. They like reproduce big time. So... Um, there's been this discussion and the city hired this group called EKI environment and water. Now, one of the, the biggest movements of humanity into this area of California was in the 18, late 1840s. And what motivated that movement of humanity, in fact, my forefathers came during that rush they were originally from Germany and got over into the Midwest, and then they just kept moving around, moving around until they found what they wanted, and they came out to Yuba County. And they came out during that gold rush. Well, EKI Environmental Water has found a new gold rush, and it's the Yuba, it's the Marysville City Council. And the Marysville City Council is dishing all kinds of money, our tax dollars, to this EKI, who everything they propose— costs about 40 or 50 times uh, what it should cost the private sector because they're engineers. And, I'm, and like, for instance, they, they're proposing a $400,000. They got a grant for $400,000 to put in a pump and irrigate one park in East Marysville. And when I've talked to other people who put in pumps, they said, Lou, we could put in a pump and irrigate that park for $10,000. We don't need $400,000. In other words, $400,000 you could use to put in pumps, drill a well, and put a pump on, and hook it up to sprinklers, and irrigate every single park in in Marysville for $400,000. They got a grant for one park, and they want to put in a pump that would pump way too much water, hundreds of gallons a minute. They don't need that kind of water. But everything is overdone, oversized, overpriced when it comes to 
uh, entities working with government because government's got deep pockets and they screw the government. And the government is too stupid to figure it out. So one of the city council person, I'm not even going to bring up the name. I'm not. It isn't a personal thing to me. But city council person, when Charlie Matthews brought up uh, the fact that we can we can hook up a pump on the Yuba River and bring water over for ten to fifteen thousand dollars, ten to fifteen, and they want to spend nearly seven hundred thousand. The comment was, well, I just go by what the staff says. Now, I'll tell you what the staff says often is totally crazy because the staff endorsed the buying of five acres on B Street that we now owe $17 million for and is worth about $2.5 million. Now, that's a staff operation right there. So Trump came in. Uh, Trump is living in New York City, right? He's developing all over the world. This is before his presidency. And I'm going to compare this to what's going on with this crazy lake, Ellis Lake. It's crazy that we have gone decade after decade after decade, and we can't get five city council people to get that damn lakes cleaned up. So Trump's sitting there, and and in 1986, uh, Trump gets involved with the Woolman Ice Skating Rink. It's a famous ice skating rink. And um, it had fallen in. You know, everything wears out. But New York was having a difficult time. They were broke. And uh, they couldn't make any more ice over at the ice skating rink. And so it the place needed an entire overhaul in 1980. They'd been working on it for longer than that. So after six years and and they burned up thirteen million dollars, the city announced they would have to start all over again, and it would be another two years to complete and more money, another three million dollars. Donald Trump got fed up with it, and he he got into a fight with Mayor Ed Koch and Because politicians do not want the private sector getting involved. Why? Because it makes them look really bad, really bad, because the private sector knows how to get stuff done quickly and and uh, efficiently and done well and way below budget. That's the way you got to do it in the private sector if you're going to stay in business. So in late May of 86, 39 year old Trump made an made an offer to Koch. He refused it. It got to be a big knockdown drag out in the public, just like this Ellis Lake is becoming right now. Because the city council is dead set on doing something really stupid. Because, like I told one of the city council members last week, you'd be better off quit voting and trying to make make an intelligent decision. Just flip a coin. Because if you flip the coin, you're going to get the right decision one time out of two, maybe. Maybe 50% because you are missing it nine times out of 10. And when you miss, when you make the wrong decision nine times out of 10, not only are the odds against you, you have a curse on you. You're doing really stupid stuff. So Trump finally got the okay. And after six years, 13 million, uh, he took it over. And in less than six months, and for no more than $3 million more million, he got it back up and going. Now, he spent the money out of his own pocket, just like Charlie Matthews and uh, Dale Whitmore are saying they will do. 
Dale's going to put in 1500 Charlie, 10000 Now, this is embarrassing for the city council because they're all down the road with this EKI guys, and they're, they're talking about spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with no guarantee they're going to solve the problem with making a Frankenstein lake with like 25 of these propellers at the bottom of the lake, moving the lake all around. Now, there's lakes all over the place in Yuba County with none of these things attached to them. All they have is water in, water out, and they are working fine. And we have these engineers that have actually, this reminds me of a liberal socialism boondoggle. Now, instead of failing, Trump finished the job actually in under six months. In just four months, 25% below the budget that he actually predicted himself. And he not only paid, all he said is, let me get my money back out of it through the fares, you know, and the, the concessions. And he paid for all the electricity to run the place out of concessions, donated the money to extra money to nonprofits, to three different nonprofits, and he put it all together. Now, the farmers in our valley, I know, num- I, don't, I don't even know, I was going to say I know at least 100 farmers. One thing they know about is pumping water. They know about how to pump it in open irrigation. They know how to pump it through microjet, through bigger sprinklers, all kinds of all kinds of ways. They know how much it costs to put down a pump. They know how much it costs to drill a well, what a 25-horsepower pump will pump per minute. They know all that stuff. Now, you'd think that the city council could have got a committee of pumpers instead of hiring engineers just hire a couple pumpers to make projections and some farmers and or these people are putting down wells on these irrigation districts and just have them fix all the parks in the area. But no, 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 no. We got to hire EKI environment who's going to spend four hundred thousand dollars on one park in East Marysville when you could do the whole park for five to ten thousand dollars. It's totally it is worse than nuts. It is mentally ill. These people are mentally ill that run our government. And and you know why they spend this kind of money? Because it's not their money. If they spent that money out of their own pocket, they would never fix Ellis Lake at six hundred or $700,000 a year. If they knew they were personally on the hook, do you think they would ever have risked their own money to buy five acres along Ellis Lake that was a total boondoggle? And be at risk, and now now they owe seventeen million dollars. If they own, se- if these people were personally held accountable for seventeen, put in the county, we didn't even get to vote on the B Street Boondoggle. Do you think you're going to get to vote on Ellis Lake spending six hundred thousand dollars plus forty five thousand dollars a year to maintain it? You think you're going to get to vote on? It? No, you're going to give it up. Three people have to decide. Only three out of five, and they're going to be persuaded by the. The director of Marysville, Marty Brown, who who simply has her mind made up and is just looking for facts to to back herself up. She's way out of her league. She doesn't know jack diddly about engineering. And she hired this EKI. Actually, these guys are gold bricks. They just simply see that this is the best thing since the gold rush, and they are cashing in, baby. If I thought, oh, I could get $600,000 to... Are we the only lake in the United States that uses this stupid technology? Plus, we got a we got 
We got wells all over this. We got thousands and thousands of wells that have drug, dug all over this valley with people pumping their own water, either it's for farming or ranching or their own homes or got a well out back. And now we're going to put $400,000 into an East Marysville Park, one park, and we got nothing left to do in any other park. It's a totally the most absurd, ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. But that's what's going to go on here. And people say a city council, when I hear a city council, well, I'm just going to do what thy staff says. Oh, screw that. Screw the staff. Right? I, I want somebody running. I want somebody, my representative, that does their own homework and can think. It's like, go out and do your own research. And if the, I remember uh, Randy Fletcher and I, when we were on, on the school board together, we stood against the staff, and they were going to shut a, a private school down up in the foothills. And people didn't want it shut down. We stood against the staff and overruled them. Honestly, people, we have lost our minds. The, the staff and administrations, the bureaucrats, the swamp running our government has totally screwed this country up. Wherever you look, and there's wastes of money, there's trouble, there's loss of liberty, loss of freedom. It's, it's bureaucrats showing up on little white pickups with a clipboard and a little pen in hand telling you how, uh, you know, well, you can't do that. Well, why? Well, you know, there's all kinds of regulations, and you can't do this, and, and you can't harvest your fruit because of this. And just baloney, man. I'm telling you, it's just crazy. It's crazy out there. I was supposed to play a little clip right here, but I'm going to have to do it in this seg segment. And uh, so I'm going to play you. A, uh, we're coming to the end of this segment. I'm going to play you a, war a global warming clip that should get your attention. It's very short. And uh, you've been lied to. This whole global warming thing is a total fraud. It's snake oil. And it's a, you're just jacking people around. Don't believe any of it. Recycling. The whole thing is is crazy we'll be right back and then i'll play you i'm going to play you a, a clip after we get back the left the, the the clip that the left wants you to forget all about all right This one is a little different. This has 10,000 dots, each one representing greenhouse gases. And the green dots are all water vapor. The yellow is methane. The black is carbon dioxide. But the 12 dots in the bottom right corner are all of the carbon dioxide greenhouse gas that we contribute. In the next slide, it shows 10,000 dots representing all the gases in the atmosphere. You all learned in high school that 7,800 of those dots are nitrogen, 2,100 are oxygen, 90 are argon, four dots, four thousandths of the atmosphere, 400 parts per million, is carbon dioxide, and only one of those dots is what we contribute. How is it conceivably possible 
that this tiny amount of a gas can control the thermostat of our planet. It can't. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our channel and consider donating to the Heartland Institute to support more vibrant free markets, greater individual liberties, and more videos like this one. Why are you here? Well, one of my missions is to turn on its head the idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant and somehow dangerous, when in fact it is the most important nutrient for all life on Earth, and without it this would be a dead planet. So I say not only is carbon dioxide good, it is essential, and it's a good thing that we are putting some more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere because it was running low before we came along. CO2, we know its benefits for plants, but it is a, a known greenhouse gas, and we're pumping too much of it in, leading to global warming. Well, actually, it may be a known greenhouse gas, but it's not known how strong it is in terms of changing the Earth's temperature. And so far in this century, there has been zero warming from a statistically significant basis, and the UK Met Office says so, yet one-third of all human CO2 emissions have been put into the atmosphere in the last 18 years. So it doesn't look like a lockstep causal relationship between increasing CO2 and warming of the Earth. Are you seriously suggesting we should be pumping more stuff in, polluting the Earth more, building more coal-fired power stations just so we can make sure that the CO2 levels are good? No, I'm not, because we're putting plenty of CO2 into the atmosphere. We don't need to do it this quickly, but if we bring it up to a higher level than it is today, we will get immediately an increase in the growth of crops and trees, which is not a bad thing. In the long run, though, it doesn't matter if we bring it down quite a bit, and so that's why I'm supportive of nuclear energy and of natural gas. This tendency to go in the rich countries to wind and solar is a giant waste of money. Those wind farms will rust in place and there is no fun to decommission them when they either wear out or we decide how ridiculous it is to spend so much money for so little electricity that isn't even reliable. What are you saying about energy policy now to the ideas of decarbonisation to cut? Is everyone wrong? Yes, they're wrong if they are actually basing their energy policy on decarbonization. They're not wrong to base their energy policy on cost effectiveness, on pollution control, which is why moving from coal to gas makes sense if you have it. But India has coal, and India has 300 million people with no electricity. What do we expect them to do? Of course they're going to build coal plants, but India is also building a lot more nuclear plants than the UK is right now, and it doesn't have the emissions of a coal plant. And China is building huge hydroelectric dams which don't have the emissions of coal plants. So many of these countries are doing their bit without wasting all this money on wind and solar energy, which is unreliable and prohibitively expensive in the long run. Why is this consensus out there? Look, if, they, if we had definitive proof that CO2 was causing serious problems and we could prove it, don't you think they would write that down on a piece of paper somewhere so people could read it? They don't have definitive proof, period, in science. I'm a, I'm, I'm a student of the philosophy and history of science, and I know that the scientific method has not been applied in such a way as to prove that carbon dioxide is causing the Earth to warm. Do you think in a few years, say 50 years from now, people go, that was a really stupid period in our history when we tried to change all our energy policies to cut this gas? I am firmly of the belief that the future will show that this whole hysteria over climate change was a complete fabrication. There goes my heart again All of this time
time I thought we were pretending Nothing looks the same when your eyes are open Now you're playing these games to keep Okay, so uh, just let me make a couple closing comments on In this area, as I mentioned, we've done a number of things that were all started by the private sector. And uh, whenever the government has taken over, that's when we've got real problems. And that was the, uh, we have the big soccer complex. It's beautiful. It could be better, but it was a miracle that Lynn Marks pulled off to get it started and up and running. And today, thousands of kids, in fact, I just funded a kid to, uh, to play down there the first time she's ever paid, played. She can't even believe it. She's so, she's so excited. She's just totally stoked. Uh, the, the lake is another thing that is run on rough times, just like Woolman Ice Rink that, that Trump had to step in and resurrect. It's now beautiful again and running successfully because he's running it, not the city of New York. Jeez. Uh, so, uh, what we're hoping is that saner minds will prevail somewhere along the line and we get back to using river Yuba River water that's free to the city of Marysville because they have pre-1914 water rights. That may not mean a lot to everybody out there, but it, but it's a big deal. It's worth millions of dollars in future revenue for the city of Marysville. They waste more money than they spend. They waste more money than they actually use wisely. Let me put it that way. So let me, um, I'll just leave it there for the time being. I got a lot of this stuff to talk about. I want to take, uh, I want to play a clip right now that is uh, a clip that the left wants you to forget about. Now, this is a clip. It's a collage of men. I think they're all men. There may be a woman in there, but the, the men stand out in my mind that I can recall right now. The first one is the most least in, intelligible one, and that's Jesse Jackson. He talks like he's got uh, a Novocaine-loaded mouth with a, with a rag in it. So it's a little hard, but what he's trying to do is introduce Donald Trump long ago and give him an award from the blacks of New York. And uh, so right after him, then you'll hear other people like Louis Farrakhan, Malcolm X, talking about uh, the Democrat Party. And and uh, black, in fact, uh, Trump is is being praised by Jesse Jackson. And if you listen really closer, he stumbles around. He you can you'll have to pay attention to really pick up what he's saying. So I'm going to just play that right now and then we'll come back on here in a hot second, okay? You give us space at 40 Wall Street, which was to make a statement about our having a presence there. Beyond that, in terms of reaching out and being inclusive, he's done that too. He came to our business meeting here in New York because he has this sense of the curious and a will to risk to make things better. And so aside from all of of his style uh, and his um, pizzazz. He's a serious person who is an effective builder of building for the build of people. Last year, he was a part of our workshop, of our panel workshop on what are the challenges and opportunities. And so this, a year later, Donald Trump, uh, for a few minutes, challenges and opportunities. 
to embrace the underserved interests. Donald Trump. If you study the structure of the Negro community, economically, politically, civically, psychologically, and otherwise, it's controlled by the white liberal. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. The race problem, integration, civil rights issues are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives. You can't name me a Negro leader who has been a Negro leader who has been who has betrayed Negroes, who is not who has not been endorsed, sanctioned, uh, subsidized, and supported by the white liberals. Again, liberals have wreaked more havoc on blacks than the supposed legacy of slavery they talk about. Yes. You don't mean that hyperbolically. No, I do not. You mean it. Yeah. Uh, whenever something, whenever it takes uh, a stoppage of something that's going to affect the white man, you find the white liberal absent. But it, when it uh, involves something that primarily will affect the best interests of black people and black people only, then that white liberal is present. Republicans have always been about the people. And that's why I just can't get jiggy with the Democrats. I can't get jiggy with them. Because they're not about everybody. They're about race baiting and trying to win. That's the difference. We always winning. They always trying to win. The black exit from the Democrat Party because it's time that we stop allowing them to use us for votes and deliver none of the promises um, that they ensure every election cycle. I definitely believe that the black vote has been taken for granted and primarily the black community is, uh, is at fault in my estimation in that regard simply because on one hand we're giving one party our vote because they've successfully gone about the business of convincing our community that the other party, the Republican Party, is completely against the interest of the black community and as a result we've been very transparent in our support. We've boarded hook, hook, line and sinker. We've been on the receiving end of about 50 years of an onslaught of PR. It comes from our entertainers, it comes from our ball players, it comes from our singers, it comes from the democratic politicians who, some of, most of which are black and empty, but are being used to sell us this idea of the Democratic Party being the home of African Americans. One reason why I'm conservative now, because I'm willing to vote for somebody because of the way they look. And look what it did for me, absolutely nothing. Who is disappointed with the Barack Obama presidency? All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, it doesn't take much to see the hypocrisy in the left and the liberals of uh, chumming up to Trump the entire time that he was a successful businessman and looking for his donations and kissing up to him. And uh, he was not kissing up to them. They were kissing up to him. And one, how what a wonderful guy. Uh, but Malcolm X, Louis Farrakhan, and others talking about how the Democrats have been used and been a cheap date uh, or the, the blacks have been a cheap date and been used by the Democrats. That should be an eye-opener, and that's the truth. And uh, all the people said, oh, I think it was the Republicans or conservatives that were racist. That's, that's uh, uh, history. Uh, there's nothing in history that supports that view, and it's, it's uh, 100% the other way around. So, all right. So I'm going to move on here. I just got a couple segments left, and we've, we've blown through a lot of— uh, situations here that uh got caught up there's not a not not enough time to talk about all this stuff uh so i want to talk about 
uh, I talked about this some last week, and I want to talk about it again this week. And a uh, little, if I can get my computer to work here. Uh, I wrote an article. Uh, it, it'll actually, it's in the it's in the territorial dispatch. You can read it, but it'll actually be on my website when you are able to go on the website and look at this podcast. It's called "Schools Protect Predators," and um, basically, I talk about the fact that schools claim they're protecting kids. They love kids. They want to educate kids. They're in. It, they're all in it for the kids, and they really aren't. Teachers. Uh, there are exceptions. I'm just going to make some general statements. Majority of teachers are in it as a profession, and uh, and what they're they're doing their best with their union's help is to carve out as much money out of this thing as they can get. They do not follow the law. They do not. They are not mandated reporters in the sense that they fulfill their duty. They are mandated reporter by reporters by law. They do not report their fellow teachers that they suspect of molestation. And it doesn't – you can just do some surveys on the Internet, and you will convince yourself. You don't have to listen to me. So a gal named Lillian Van Vielt uh, has written a book for the insurance in- industry and basically says that California, along with Oregon and Washington and a few other western states, are in real trouble. And they're in real trouble with sexual molestation of, their, of teachers and other school employees molesting kids. And she says that – She's recommending that California schools, school districts pick up $50 million in coverage and set aside a million dollars cash uh, as kind of a bond to cover the first monies that need to be spent because they can't they can't protect kids. They are protecting their own teachers and screw the kids literally twice. Screw the kids once. Screw the kids with with no protection and and not not turning in the the, uh, perpetrators. Now, how does that work? It works because recently I talked about the fact that Jim Whitaker, who was fired and, and if they would, if anybody would call the uh, school board in Yuba city, they would have, and asked this question, would you hire him back? They would say, hell no. And the reason is, is they did a research after 25 years and enough complaints, the school board finally hired a firm to investigate the numerous claims, and their conclusion was, we don't want him here anymore. So now uh, uh, a number of these students have filed a civil suit, just like O.J. Simpson was found uh, innocent by a jury of 12 people, criminally innocent of murdering his his wife and her lover. Uh, But when he was he was found in a civil suit, he lost the civil suit and he had, in other words, he was the culprit and he had to pay the money out. So now civilly, even though they couldn't find a law enforcement agency, as Jim Whitaker's father was the sheriff once upon a time, uh, they couldn't find a law enforcement agency willing to uh, pursue these allegations of sexual misconduct by him. So the school district finally said, you're out of here, Right. And but the state of California at the credential, the Commission on Credentialing has not yet. Uh, I don't know whether they uh, have already heard his story and let him keep his license, or they haven't yet uh, got rid of it. Because in my research, this the Commission on Credentialing is so far behind on complaints. They had over last year, the last school year, they had over five thousand complaints from alcohol to 
molestation, to other kinds of crimes, and they, they're responsible to to investigate this to see whether these teachers are going to keep their license or not, right? So I don't even know whether they've had a chance to review Whitaker's license situation. So listen, if you're listening from another state, Yuba City, Marysville is separated by a soccer, couple soccer fields and a river. Like you could, you could walk over there in 10 minutes from one, one levee to the other, right? It separates two cities and two counties. This guy was, was uh, ser- serving as a coach and, and teacher in, in one, one of the cities. He simply went fif- 10 to 15 minutes away into the other area and got a job at Yuba County Office of Education. The superintendent of schools told uh, a lady that I talked to this week that he had no uh, he really didn't vet him. He didn't talk to the Yuba City uh, Unified count, uh, Board, school board. He didn't talk to anybody from over there. And, he, and since he wasn't prosecuted by government, then he was good to go, no matter what they claim he did over there. He was good to go as a teacher in, our, in the, the local school here. Now, that is exactly what's wrong. With our entire system. They call it the dance of the lemons. They actually call it the dance of the lemons. In other words, they move failing teachers, whether they're they're terrible teachers, they cannot teach the topic, or they scream at the kids, or are abusive of kids, or are drunks, or drug addicts, or molesters. Most of them do not get fired because it's too expensive. It costs an average of $500,000 in several years to fire a teacher, but most of them are paid. They stay on the payroll, but they cannot teach. They just sit somewhere. They call them rubber rooms in some of these districts. And so uh, the Yuba County Office of Education has hired Jim Whitaker, who now is, they're going to go to court November 4th is the next court date. And as I write in my article, he has uh, numerous charges against him by numerous women of various ages over the years, over 23 years. And uh, I talked to the attorney that are is rep- are representing the ladies and, and the victims. Uh, and uh, Paul Matiazic or Matiazic. And uh, he said, Lou, if we ever go to trial on this, and probably in 2020, we'll go out to a full jury trial. He said, I'm going to run a parade, the term to use, a parade of witnesses uh, of former students and school employees that will testify uh, to that the school simply stood by. They they actually had write-ups in his records and ignored him and had no discipline, and they just let this guy molest kids. And uh, that's why now this is not just going on in Yuba or Sutter County. This is going on throughout the state of California. And uh, the union controlled schools, this unions are so tight and the regulations and laws are so tight that uh, the best thing uh, parents could do is get their kids to hell out of school because uh, their kids are going to get messed up in this. Now, the L.A. school district, the second largest uh, in the United States behind New York City, paid will pay $14 million to nine girls who were abused by Ronnie Lee Roman, a former youth services coach at two elementary schools. The district will pay $8 million to seven boys who were abused by Jaime Jimenez, a former high school football coach. 
Now, how do you get one? I can see one happening, but over and over. Roman got 105 years in prison after he was convicted of lewd acts on a child. He was found guilty of molesting girls from 8 to 12 years of age. The sad thing is, is no dad went in there and blew his head off with a shotgun. Uh, it's really sad. Their men have lost their backbone. They got no Spaldings left in this country. They're just all little. You got women who actually look like women and are feminine and beautiful. And then you got men that act like women that just look ugly. Now, Jimenez was sentenced to 36 years after he pl- pled no contest to sexual abuse and battery. His victims were between 13 and 16 years of age. Now, that that was a lot of uh, Whitaker's victims. One of them, after after he victimized him, killed himself, according to Morgan Stewart, one of the attorneys. Now, the lawsuits down there are because nobody did anything when there were red flags all over the place, including secluding students in locker rooms, spending long periods of time with them on and off campus. And Stewart, the uh, Morgan, uh, oh, what's his name, the attorney, Stewart, who represented the kids, Morgan Stewart, this is a mouthful, quote, the district still doesn't understand its fundamental duty to protect the children and its care, sadly enough. Now, here's the deal. The district may understand it, but they don't have the ability to do it. They do not have the backbone. Uh, Everybody doesn't agree with the superintendent of schools at Yuba County. I've talked to other people that said we would never hire them. Right. They don't have to hire anybody. You're not forced to hire anybody that comes to your door, even if they have a credential. L.A. Unified School District settled with 82 children of Miramonte Elementary School. 82. How did 82 kids get victimized and nobody know anything? You're kidding me, right? Mark Burnt, who for more than two decades, I, I won't even go into all the amazing, shocking, disgusting acts he did with these little children. Some of it was spoon-feeding his own sperm to kids with with their eyes, uh, with a bandana over their eyes. The school district actually, once they realized how screwed up they, they were, the school district, they paid, they couldn't take the time to go through the rigmarole of the union to fire this guy. So they paid him $40,000 to leave, and he took it. Then then the government finally got in and got the balls to go out and arrest the guy, and now he's in prison. In spite of that, because of the wonderful, corrupt, insane, perverted system we have in this state and in many states in this, in this uh, country— Mark Burnt, after molesting or being held accountable of molesting 81 of his victims, he will get a pension of nearly $4,000 a month in pre-tax benefits. If he lives to the average age of a man in California, he'll collect $1 million in payout while he's hanging out in prison or outlasting prison. Meanwhile, payout to victims and legal fees are now going to be $200 million by L.A. uh, Unified School District. Now, listen, if I'm telling you that a mentally deranged person could could make sense of this and stop it. But politicians, why? Because everybody's got their hand in the till now. 
everybody's kiss assing everybody. And oh well, I don't you know I I don't want to tell EKI that you know that we can't afford them and we're going to decide to do with something really practical because you know it's going to hurt somebody's feelings and you know it's just like come on man we, we, our politicians are so in the tank screwed up. Redlands Unified School District agreed to pay out $30 million to settle lawsuits involving sexual misconduct by a variety of school employees. This is like, it's like ollie ollie auction free. Hey, let's screw some kids because nobody's protecting them, right? The wolf is taking care of the hen house. But somehow down there in Redlands Unified School District, that's down the San Diego area, they tell me, uh, they are shaking things up. And they said, you know something, we we are going to make it really hard for perpetrators, for predators to come in here and bully and molest and screw our kids and put sperm in their mouth. So we, we're saying you can't have social contact by phone, letter, text, and, unless somebody else is involved with it, unless you're looping in a principal. In other words, they're protected. You can't be alone with a kid. It's just like at our church. You can't be alone in a room with a kid, you know, on Sunday school and stuff. We can't with, without other adults. We just protect people that way. At schools, they just, they, oh, yeah, we got your kids. Do you know the Community Commi- Commission, California Commission on Teacher Credentialing? There were 2,482 crimes involving alcohol, like teachers driving drunk, 2017, year 2018. Other crimes, 1,332. Serious crimes, felonies, almost 1,000. Drugs, 251. Crime, non-sexual child crimes. I don't know what that is. Non-sexual child crimes? Maybe it's like socking one. Sexual crimes, 331. Adult sexual crimes, molesting other teachers, right? And they said, we can't, we can't handle this volume. That's what the California Commission saying. Now, I'm sure that Jim Whitaker had to go submit there, and maybe they didn't even make a decision. Maybe they did. Honestly, the decisions making by a lot of these, made by a lot of these schools, when, when uh, you know, they printed it even in the Appeal Democrat, for God's sake, some of the things that were said about that Whitaker uh, w- were brought out of his personnel file, that that they found uh, his misbehavior to be accurate, but did nothing about it. So uh, schools up and down the state uh, years ago, if you want to look up World Net Daily, it's an online <clears throat> uh, newspaper or news magazine. And if you search around there and find out they have made a list at one time i downloaded 31 pages and each incident was about a paragraph on a photo so you could get numbers of them on a page i downloaded 31 pages of uh recorded incidents of mainly women having sex with boys but some were men women having sex with girls as well but they were women grown women having sex with uh, middle school kids up to high school kids. We got a real, real big problem. And the, the school system in our country has proven incapable of uh, protecting our kids. We just had a screwy gal who at a uh, 41-year-old lady at Yuba County Office of Education working at Juvenile Hall who, who got in a relationship with a, a minor kid over there. Ended up marrying him once he got moved over to the jail when he became 18. 
Now we have a kitchen worker at Juvenile Hall that's been having sex with the boys, according to the kids at Juvenile Hall. We got real problems, people, and and uh, and nobody is dealing with them. And in Yuba City, law enforcement wouldn't even get involved. Now, according to state law, from what I read, if you're a mandated reporter on a on a school campus and a kid says I or she was touched by so and so, you're not in charge of the investigation. You're in charge of calling the police or calling Child Protective Services, and for them to do an investigation. They talk to the kid, not you, to determine whether you think that your best friend may or may not have done something to that kid. You're not responsible for that. The mandated reporting is you call a particular agency, and then the superintendent of schools on every issue with a teacher or school employee is supposed to call the state of California, and report that. And I'm telling you, from what I've read, superintendents aren't doing their jobs, and uh, teachers and school employees that are mandated reporters are not doing their job. Um, all right. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to play you. This is a great clip by the guy, the scientist who founded Greenpeace. This will shock you. In 1971, I helped found an environmental group in the basement of a Unitarian church in Vancouver, Canada. Fifteen years later, it had grown into an international powerhouse. We were making headlines every month. I was famous, and then I walked out the door. The mission, once noble, had become corrupted. Political agendas and fear-mongering trumped science and truth. Here's how it happened. When I was studying for my PhD in ecology at the University of British Columbia, I joined a small activist group called the Don't Make a Wave Committee. It was the height of the Cold War. The Vietnam War was raging. I became radicalized by these realities and by the emerging consciousness of the environment. The mission of the Don't Make a Wave Committee was to launch an ocean-going campaign against U.S. hydrogen bomb testing in Alaska a symbol of our opposition to nuclear war. As one of our early meetings was breaking up, someone said, peace. A reply came, why don't we make it a green peace? And a new movement was born. Green was for the environment, and peace was for the people. We named our boat the Greenpeace, and I joined the 12-person crew for a voyage of protest. We didn't stop that H-bomb test, but it was the last hydrogen bomb the United States ever detonated. We had won a major victory. In 1975, Greenpeace took a sharp turn away from our anti-nuclear efforts and set out to save the whales, sailing the high seas to confront Russian and Japanese whalers. The footage we shot, young protesters positioned between harpoons and fleeing whales, was shown on TV around the world. Public donations poured in. By the early 1980s, we were campaigning against toxic waste, air pollution, 
trophy hunting, and the live capture of orca whales. But I began to feel uncomfortable with the course my fellow directors were taking. I found myself the only one of six international directors with a formal science background. We were now tackling subjects that involved complex issues of toxicology, chemistry, and human health. You don't need a PhD in marine biology to know it's a good thing to save whales from extinction. But when you're analyzing which chemicals to ban, you need to know some science. And the first lesson of ecology is that we are all interconnected. Humans are part of nature, not separate from it. Many other species, disease agents and their carriers, for example, are our enemies, and we have the moral obligation to protect human beings from these enemies. Biodiversity is not always our friend. I had noticed something else. As we grew into an international organization, with over a hundred million a year coming in, a big change in attitude had occurred. The peace in Greenpeace had faded away. Only the green part seemed to matter now. Humans, to use Greenpeace language, had become the enemies of the earth. Putting an end to industrial growth and banning many useful technologies and chemicals became common themes of the movement. Science and logic no longer held sway. Sensationalism, misinformation, and fear were what we used to promote our campaigns. The final straw came when my fellow directors decided that we had to work to ban the element chlorine worldwide. They named chlorine the devil's element, as if it were evil. But this was absurd. Adding chlorine to drinking water was one of the biggest advances in the history of public health. And anyone with a basic knowledge of chemistry knew that many of our most effective pharmaceuticals had a chlorine component. Not only that, but if this anti-chlorine campaign succeeded, it wouldn't be our wealthy donors who would suffer. Wealthy individuals and countries always find a way around these follies. The ones who suffer are those in developing countries, people we're presumably trying to help. For example, Greenpeace has opposed the adoption of golden rice, a genetically modified variety of rice that contains beta-carotene. Golden rice has the potential to prevent the death of two million of the world's poorest children every year. But that doesn't matter to the Greenpeace crowd. GMOs are bad, so golden rice must be bad. Apparently millions of children dying isn't. This kind of rigid, backward thinking is usually attributed to the unenlightened and the anti-scientific, but I've discovered from the inside out that it can infect any organization, even those with names as noble-sounding as Greenpeace. I'm Patrick Moore for Prager University. talk uh, now <clears throat> about uh, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And uh, there are some huge things on the horizon that if you live in California are going to affect you in a massive way. 
And that is on the 2020 elections, there's going to be an attempt, and they're already working on it, to uh, erode the protections of Proposition 13, which saves each homeowner and, and property owner, I should say business owner of property and homeowner of property, thousands and thousands of dollars each year, depending on how much you owe own so they're going to first try to uh get everybody to eliminate the the protections for businesses owning property then once they get uh, people convinced oh we're not going to touch your residential property we're just going to go up to business once they take that away then they're going to go after the residents and that's going to but what happened here recently two things happened this past week one is howard jarvis taxpayers Association. everybody should join that uh, become a member i'm a member i donate to them hjta.org they protect against abusive taxes of uh people they started after prop 13 was passed howard jarvis paul gann were the two guys who got that on the ballot and we changed the way property tax were assessed in the state of california i don't have time to go into it they you can read all about it at their website hjta.org donate money to them right away now last week they won at the uh, appellate court third district court of appeal here's what happened so prop 17 was passed by the voters uh Prop 73 passed by the voters, and it prohibited taxpayer dollars being used as a, as a political slush fund for candidates. That was on the books for quite a while. And then it said this, no public officer shall expend or no candidate shall accept any public monies for the purpose of seeking elective office. So then Senate Bill 1107 came, uh, they, the, the legislature wanted to, uh, nullify or eliminate prop 73 so senate bill 11, 1107 would have provided instead a candidate may expend in other words they they were going to undermine it right so the guy that uh got it passed originally quentin cop uh and howard jarvis took took the state to task and the the attorney firm that took them on is the same attorney firm. They call themselves Bell, McAndrews, and Hiltach. Uh, the same that this same firm that that fought the fight at the that, that they just won this last week at the third appellate court. In other words, the, they the court ruled unanimously in favor of Bell, McAndrews, and Hiltach, and Howard Jarvis that uh, it was unconstitutional or illegal. For the this Senate bill, although it was passed, they said you cannot undermine Prop 73. That was a huge victory. Now, the same week, uh, Major K had a hearing this last Tuesday, and uh, before Judge Stephen Barrier, B E R R I E R, often his name gets misspelled as B A. It's Barrier, B E, and uh, so. Uh, there was again a, a debate, second hearing on this after all the evidence was put forth by the county's attorneys. They hire an attorney firm out of Nevada County, this same firm out of Sacramento, Bell, McAndrews, and Hiltach. Uh, they sent their attorney in, and it was heard at, before Judge Barry or Superior Court. And so, uh, I did not attend that meeting, but 
those that did felt that Judge Barrier spent quite a bit of time quizzing uh, the county's attorney on the hypocrisy or duplicity on the way they presented this ballot measure, Measure K. They, they pitched it as a protective special uh, ballot measure where it was going to be for public safety and go into a special fund and have an oversight committee. But really, they uh, they wanted to get it passed as a general fund and only need 50 percent plus one versus 66.6 percent for a special fund. So they put it on the ballot as a 50 percent plus one, but sold it as a special fund, wanting their cake and eat it, too. It passed with about 53% of the vote. So the argument of the anti-Special K people is you lied to the voters. And if you'd have been honest, maybe you would have voted for it, right, still. Uh, But if you wanted a general fund, then you should have said a general fund because the big problem, yeah, we have law enforcement shortage. Yeah, we may have fire fund shortages. What's the problem? The problem is the pension problem. And people, if they pitched it like we need more money to pay for pensions, people wouldn't vote for that because most people don't have much money for pensions themselves. So why should they pay more taxes to have fantastic pensions for government employees? Screw them, right? Hey, how come government gets paid more for doing the same type of jobs we do in the private sector? They get big pensions. We go get hardly anything. If we can't afford to put money aside, we can't, right? Why are we paying for pensions clean after the person no, no longer works here? Because you mismanage or CalPERS mismanage the money. Why are we still on the hook? It's a bad system. It's not like we're against the people. It's a bad system, and it's sucking all kinds of money. It's the same way the bad system for government to try to figure out how to do infrastructure improvements and pay gold brick companies like EKI Environment and Water, Right. So anyway, um, they, the suggestion that maybe the judge will have a written opinion for or against Measure K, if it's for Measure K, that means the tax, we're paying the tax right now. If you're buying stuff in Yuba County or, or you're buying a car anywhere in the world and you live in Yuba County, you're getting stuck with a 1% more than any, any I've, I've actually done all my shopping elsewhere. I've, I've, 100% of my shopping is now elsewhere because of the 1% tax. But the state right now is holding all the tax money, and the county does not benefit from the tax money until this case is settled. So if Measure K wins, the money will still be, uh, whether they win or lose, the money will still be taken out of our purchases until uh, the county, uh, either the county or the opposition to the county Measure K decides to throw in the towel and say, we, we're we not going to push this any farther. If the judge rules for the opposition, the anti-K people, then then the county has, has an opportunity to appeal. If they decide not to appeal, then the, the, the tax will stop. So that's coming up, and uh, we'll see how that shakes down. If the ruling happens to go against the county, if, if Judge Barrier, he will be— uh, his name will be, uh, he will gain notoriety in the state of California. Because so far, 
the counties and cities and jurisdiction in the state of California have, have blown huge loopholes through Prop 218 and Prop 13, and, and nobody has had the money or the backbone or the willpower to fight it because the government has all our money. In fact, the, the county of Yuba has spent we, – we haven't done a Freedom of Information Act yet on the county of Yuba. My hunch is they spent a quarter of a million dollars of our tax money fighting this, promoting this tax. That's contrary to the Constitution of the state of California. The way they got around it is they claimed that it was, well, this is, we didn't really, we were impartial on this. And uh, we really were just trying to raise more revenue in a general fund. And this was just educational to explain to people what we wanted to do. That is a crock of crap. And and the sad thing is, if you took a vote on the credibility of the uh, the supervisors right now and the, the county administrator, it'd be really low because people feel they got lied to and got manipulated and got jerked around on this entire thing. Instead of just giving a and and the argument that couple of supervisors say, well, we just wanted to give the people a chance. We just wanted to give the people a say that is a lie. That is a lie because the deck is stacked. If I say to you, hey, I want it this way. You say, I want it that way. And I say, and and I say uh, and you say, let's flip a coin. I say, all right, let's flip a coin. And you say, heads, I win, tails, you lose. That is not a fair flip of the coin. Heads I win, tails you lose. It's not a fair flip of the coin. So this was not a fair election. This was not just a let the people decide. Let the people decide would have been uh, explaining it as a general fund election at 50% plus one wins all. Or a special fund election, 66.6 wins all. Right? But what they did is they explained, we want a special fund election, and we want to sell it that way because then we deceive you that it's not going to just bail us out of a pension debt, and, and we keep promising, oh, yeah, the county will pick up your pension. Oh, yeah, the county will pick up your pension. Now, yeah, we don't raise your wage, but the county will pick up a big, bigger section of their pension. Where does that extra money come from when we say that? It comes out of the general fund, which then doesn't fix your roads, doesn't fix your culverts, doesn't fix your se- the sewage systems, right? Every, all the county buildings fall apart, right? And so all of a sudden they want more money, more money, raise your fees, raise your taxes. Oh, yeah, you go in and file a piece of paper. Oh, it's going to cost you an extra $10 to file extra people. All these fees just keep going up. It's just indirect taxes is what it is. They manipulated, they lied, they cheated, they hired a public relations firm to come in and jack people around. They claimed they didn't run their own campaign, and they had the sheriff at the head of the campaign. I like the sheriff. I work with him. I respect him. But they, the attorney stood up and lied to Judge Barrier, saying, well, you know, as soon as the campaign started, you know, we, the, camp, the county had nothing to do with the campaign. Oh, come on. What, somebody just gets hired out of the blue? By somebody, we don't even know who they are. They're non non entities. They they hired a local PR gal, you know, somebody, a professional snowblower, and they hired Lou Edwards' outfit. That didn't the county didn't hire them. Where'd the funds come from? Who wrote the checks? Who approved the checks? 
Oh, the, the supervisors actually approve. I thought the supervisor, I didn't think people could get paid in this county without the supervisors approving the, the payola. I, I'm just like lost. I lost my mind here. <coughs> anyway, we'll see how it works out. The, the attorneys for the county to support the increased tax of Measure K claimed that they're going to appeal it to the uh, appeals court in Sacramento. And uh, the opposition, of which I'm a part, is also hoping that the same firm that won this other appellate case, uh, Bell, McAndrews, and Hiltach, in fact, uh, Charles Bell Jr. was the leading, uh, uh, he was the one representing uh, H. Uh, Howard Jarvis and Quentin Kopp uh, with the appellate court, and he won the, they, they, they won the case. They ruled in their favor. So we're hoping that uh, this firm will stick with us as they did uh, Howard Jarvis and go to the appellate court as well. This will make a statement. It, for one, it will be the first time a judge has stood up. Well, I guess there was one in Roseville. There's been a couple others, but uh, it will, it, you know, Barrier at the end, you know, I, I assume Barrier's towards the end of his career. Uh he maybe he's got another four years in him. He's a good judge, so maybe he'll he'll do another four years, but maybe he won't. But you know, uh, it'd be nice to have a Yuba County judge and be Yuba County to stand out as a county that stood up against the manipulation and the illegal uh, the the Ill- illegal selling of one of these campaigns in violation of Prop 13 and Prop 218, which were both voted on by the citizens of the state of California, protect the gov- protect themselves from the government just running roughshod. And see, here's the deal. The, the Constitution of California says that the, the government, the county, the state, the city cannot use the tax dollars they've taken from us to turn around and campaign for more tax dollars. They cannot do that. That's exactly what Yuba County, even if they rule and they say K is an illegal tax. Still, there's another issue now that they use hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer money that they should have been paying to fix our roads, to fix, do all the infrastructure stuff that we have fix our parks, maintain stuff. They spent that on on a furious last gap, put your thumb in the dike type thing to, to bail out pensions uh, because they got a bar- they're borrowing money right now from Yuba Water Agency to pay for pensions now. They can't afford to pay the pensions on, on time now. So they're borrowing money from Yuba Water Agency and then paying them back to cut down the amount of money they're paying. So anyway, um, we're going to take another break, and um, the final clip here today is is why Planned Parenthood would refuse $60 million. If you ran a nonprofit, would you turn down $60 million? I know that a woman's friend, Pregnancy Resource Center, will not take government money over here in Yuba City because they don't want any government uh, fingers in their, in their uh, operation. Planned Parenthood turned away $60 million of federal funds. Just why did they do that? I'm going to play that for you right now. Oh, no, I won't either. I'm going to wait. I got four more minutes. Hold on. I'm going to finish this up. Uh, Sorry, I I lost my mind. So anyway, um, that is the deal on Measure K, and I hope you uh, 
stay tuned. Maybe in the next week or two, we will get a written opinion from uh, Judge Barrier. And in my hope is if Judge Barrier can't see his way to turning back this illegal tax, that our attorneys will uh, make a name for themselves like they just did at the third appellate court. They'll make a name for themselves again as a leading law firm upholding the law of the state of California. Did you notice that the biggest lawbreakers in the state of California is the government? They just make law after law and law, and then they ignore them. And then they hold your feet to the fire. Oh, you didn't get a permit to hang that door. Oh, yeah, well, now you're going to pay triple damages, and you're going to have to take that door out. Or, oh, you sprayed that chemical on those weeds, and, and you didn't get, you didn't uh, ask us first. Oh, yeah, well, we, we're going to have to quarantine your whole crop. All right? Isn't that how it goes? That's how it goes. I'm, I'm speaking of my own experience. And then they just they just totally jerk people around. Oh, yeah, no, we didn't feel like, oh, we're, well, we're the, we're the school district. We... Well, yeah, we knew that kid got, uh, you know, we knew they had a complaint against Jim Whitaker, but, you know, we, no, we didn't, we didn't call the police. Did you call CPS? Oh, no, well, we didn't call CPS, no. I don't, well, I actually spent a lot of years ago, I don't really remember that happening. Listen, people, we got some real jerks running, running our government, real jerks. They're getting paid 100, 125, 150, 175, 200, 225, 250, right, 300. And they pull off this nonsense. It's despicable. People, it's despicable is what it is. All right, I'm going to tell you about Tom Cotton. You like Tom Cotton? He's a senator. I like Tom Cotton. He's a, he's a uh, military veteran of action, combat veteran. He's a Republican, represents uh, the state of Arkansas. So you, you probably heard this thing about Greenland, right? What in the world? Trump is nuts. Everybody's saying every time Trump opens up, he's nuts, he's nuts, he's nuts. Frankly, he's just smarter than the average duck. He's smarter than the average duck. It isn't Trump's fault that you're an idiot, right? If you don't know the history of Greenland or the history of the United States in Greenland, that is not Trump's fault. If you don't understand tariffs, if you don't understand how the Chinese have been screwing the United States— charging 100% tariffs like uh, like my friend Sang says Lou we can't you can't bring a car into this country they they charge you 100% they charge you 100% tariffs did you get that a $20,000 car will charge you they'll charge you 20,000 to bring it off the dock so uh it isn't my fault. It isn't Trump's fault that you don't understand China. You don't understand tariffs. You don't understand international economics. The Democrats saying that Trump uh, is starting a trade war. Either they're idiots or they're complete liars that are trying to deceive you. They are master deceivers, the Democrats. And they will do anything to take over this country and turn it into a socialist country. If you don't get that, you... you Honestly, people, you just will become a drunk or a heroin addict because you're of no help to this country. You, you don't know what we stand for. You don't know how we started. It's the true definition of loss. You don't know where you came from. You don't know what you're doing here, and you don't know where you're going. If you don't know what the Constitution says, you don't know about economics. You know, you, you honestly, people, 
uh, you're not much better than a many, mentally retarded person. So when people are like, oh, my God, what's he talking about? Just You can't just go buy people people's property. You can't even go buy an island. You can't buy a country. The United States was formed by buying property. I'm going to talk about it right after the break. So uh, now we're ready to take a break. All right. typically receives about $60 million per year of Title X funds. They receive millions of dollars from Medicaid reimbursements too each year. Uh, Title X money technically is not allowed to be used to directly fund abortions, although we know that money is fungible. So by giving any amount to Planned Parenthood, we are funding abortion with our tax dollars. That's what pro-lifers have been saying for a very long time. That's what we're talking about. And that's why we say uh, to defund Planned Parenthood. So the Trump administration actually took a step to ensure that that uh, is actually happening, that these federal dollars are not funding abortion. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. The rule called for clinics that received federal family planning funding to physically separate their abortion services in a separate building from all other services and not to refer patients for abortions. So the Trump administration says to Planned Parenthood, look, you can keep receiving these Title 10 funds, but you've got to fully separate your abortion services and you cannot make abortion referrals. Pretty simple. You can talk about all the options. They can still talk about abortion. So their physicians can still talk about abortion. They can talk about it as an option. Uh, they can talk about what abortion is, but they cannot actively encourage a patient to go and get an abortion. So what does Planned Parenthood do with this new rule that is being implemented? They reject... The Title X funds, the $60 million a year that are going to their various clinics, they reject these funds because of this, which shows us just how desperately, in case we didn't know, just how obsessively they want to be able to encourage women to abort their children, uh, that they would reject millions of dollars in favor of more abortions, probably putting women that actually go there for healthcare services at a disadvantage. Uh, this is from National Review. This is a quote. This isn't the first time the group has displayed recalcitrance. This is a great word, recalcitrance, on this question. In the spring of 2017, Ivanka Trump met with then Planned Parenthood president Cecile Richards and suggested compromise. Um, suggested compromise. Planned Parenthood should split into two financially distinct groups, one with a smaller arm to provide abortions and the other to provide women's health care, the latter of which could retain government funding. According to a New York Times report, Richards refused. Planned Parenthood officials said that they thought Ms. Trump's advice was naive, failing to understand how central reproductive choice was to the group's mission. How central reproductive choice, read abortion, was to the group's mission. So what we already knew is drastically confirmed by this decision by Planned Parenthood that it is an abortion provider who also happens 
to provide a few other services so that they can call themselves a healthcare center. And what you're going to hear in the news from Planned Parenthood spokespeople, uh, that includes many pundits in the left-wing media, they are going to say that the Trump administration uh, forced Planned Parenthood out of the Title X program and robbed millions of underprivileged women from healthcare. That is not true. Planned Parenthood made a decision. They made a calculated decision to reject to reject $60 million a year of plan of uh, Title X funds because they wanted to be able to encourage women to have abortions. They didn't want to financially and physically separate their abortion services from the other services that they provide. That is a decision that they made because, as Cecile Richards has said, as they have said many times before, abortion is central to what they do. I'm an old cow Okay, we're into our last uh, 20 minutes. I wanted to uh, kick it off by just thanking uh, Dave Greenitz. Uh, David Greenitz has been my friend for over 40 years. <clears throat> we have a lot in common. We, we found Jesus about the same time, or Jesus found us, however you want to say it. doesn't make any difference. We both uh, like things done well. We both are conservative, and we like great coffee. That's a lot in common. And we liked the same woman. I liked his wife before he married her. She was a youngster. I was an old guy. And then he married her. I thought, made a good choice. I like her. So you married her. Good for you. Good choice. So uh, Dave likes coffee. So I now bring him back Vietnamese coffee because he likes good coffee. And uh, the other cool thing I like about him, and a lot of my friends are this way, they're craftsmen. And they do good work, construction work, removing floors, remodeling, concrete work, painting. They're the best, right? They're the best. It's just they, they, got, they got a quality about them, right? There are a lot of Jesus followers, and they, you know, the Bible says uh, if you're working, cons- think of yourself as working for Jesus. So would you do a crappy paint job or a crappy remodel job if you're working for Jesus? You shouldn't. You shouldn't cheat anybody if you're working for, uh, if you consider yourself working for the Lord. You should always do the best. You could you could get people the best deal you can, and you you should, uh, if there's something wrong, go back and fix it without any complaining. And so Dave Greenitz has turned out to be one of the best contractors I know, <clears throat> and he does spectacular kitchens and baths and decks and f- remodels front door entrances, makes the house look super duper. And if people can't can't afford their electricity bills, he puts in whole house fans. It cuts their bills way down. So you can check him out. You don't even need to call him and feel all embarrassed or intimidated or like you'd never met him before. Just go on his, his website, greenitzconstruction.com. Green with E-T-Z on the end. Go to greenitzconstruction.com. Go check out his work. You can see before and after pictures. You could You could email him. 
You can tell them what kind of project you want. You can do this. You can text him. You can call him. You can do a lot of things. You can go to his Facebook site, Dave Green, it's construction. And you can check the same type of stuff out there. And uh, again, you can email him. You could look at all the different types of things he's done, but he'll do whatever you want. He's got connections with all kinds of designers, with the best painters, tile people, floor people, air conditioning people, lighting people. They got it going on. They got a good system going. And uh, the other thing I like about him, he answers his phone and he shows up on time when he says he's like, how much is that worth? That's worth a lot to me, man. When people say, oh, Lou, let's get together and they keep canceling, cancel. I had that happen lately. It just pissed me off. Cancel, cancel, cancel. I tell people, hey, show up. I said it. They they say, Lou, I want to go into juvenile hall and speak with you. I say, fine. Then they don't show up. I say, I tell them one time, listen, uh, if you're in the hospital or you're dead, good. I'll do the funeral for you. Uh, otherwise, you haven't got an excuse. Don't be, call- don't be telling me 15 minutes before you can't make it, right? Dead or sick at, at Adventist Health. Forget you otherwise. Anyway, Greenwich will show up on time. The other people I want to tell you before I leave— before I finish up here today, we got time. We got another 15 minutes to go. Uh, is my friend Ted Holmes, who I just, his wife, she's Mary Holmes. She's going to help me at Yuba County Jail. We're adding a sewing class. We, they did that for years. They want to start it up again for the ladies sewing. A lot of ladies never learned how to sew. A lot of them never. I meet ladies in jail, 35 years old, never have a job in my life, don't have a sew, don't know how to do Jack Diddley. Sometimes they said, you know, anyway, I won't get into the details. I gonna get sidetracked. Anyway, Ted's wife's going to help me over there. Ted is either I've gone with him or I've, I've helped him and coordinated project and doing humanitarian projects all over the world. He just got back from Mexico before that, no month before that he was in Cuba. Oh, they've been in, he's been on all the, it seemed like he's been on all the continents, been down there in Honduras, uh, Papua New Guinea, Congo, Kenya, Horsley's Green, England. Do a lot of good work. And uh, his wife told me yesterday I was out getting some paperwork signed so I could turn it into the sheriff's department to get her a background check. And she said, we're getting all our stuff paid off, all our debts paid off, so my husband can do missions work. I thought, he's a guy, that's the kind of guy I want to run with right there, him him and Dave Greenitz. So Ted Holmes, plumbing doctor, he's got a plumbing business. He does some construction. He does a, he has a floor removal business. You can, whatever you need, he will solve it. 24 hours a day, he'll come out and solve your plumbing problem. Dial him up at 530-671-9111. 530-671-9111. And the plumbing doctor will come and help you. And they have helped me. Every time I walk by my toilets, I said, yep, they saved me a lot of money because California water, it's like every time you turn on the water here, it's like running liquid gold down the drain. I trap every drop I can because it's expensive over here in Marysville. If you're thinking about moving into a city, don't come to Marysville because the water is two and three and four times as much as it is anywhere else in our community. You're better off landing in Yuba City, Oliver's, or Linda, or getting out in the county of Yuba. That's different water out there. 
So I was talking about Greenland before I got totally confused, thought I was out of time. Then I thought I had some time. Da, 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 da. Tom Cotton, um, he wrote an op-ed that's opinion editorial in the New York Times of all places. And he says his title of it was We Should Buy Greenland. Do you even know where Greenland is? Most people that I talk to, if you stopped them on the street, you says, where's Brazil? Where's Ethiopia? Where's this? Where's that? They couldn't find it uh, with both hands. So Greenland, he, why should we buy Greenland? Remember, I told you before the break, people, Trump brings up, oh, well, he's nuts. Actually, no, you're nuts. So um, Tom Cotton says he's crazy. Trump is crazy like a fox. And so Cotton says Greenland is strategically positioned in the Arctic Circle. Once on a, One time I flew, I was flying to Russia, and they flew over the Arctic Circle from San Francisco and dropped into Munich, Germany. Then we switched planes and flew over to Moscow. If you don't understand how that works, don't worry about it. The, ple- the, plane, the plane people have already figured it out to save money. So when I looked down, we flew over the Arctic Circle. I thought, oh, there's nothing down there but white stuff, white ice. Greenland has long attracted the attention of American policymakers. Did you see that? Cotton says has long attracted. That means it isn't just in your lifetime. As far back as 1867, Secretary of State William Seward, he was connected to Lincoln at one time, explored the acquisition of Greenland around the time that he negotiated the purchase of Alaska. Didn't you know that we purchased Alaska? You missed that. Did you know who we bought it from? The Russians. Did you know that? We actually decided, and people just like you wet your pants because the president said, I think we're going to buy What's Alaska? Who owns it? Where? How come we're doing that? It's not even connected. And what about Hawaii? We bought something, and you got to fly five hours to get there. What are we doing buying something that's not connected to us? Well, we did, and it's a part of the United States. In 1946, the Truman administration offered $100 million to Denmark to acquire Greenland, arguing that the island was indispensable to the safety of the United States. Why would that be right after World War II? Well, in confronting the growing Soviet threat who had just taken over Eastern Europe and was gobbling up countries as fast as they could. It had been a strategic spot during World War II when American forces used bases in Greenland to stop the Nazi aggression. Did, you didn't know we were over, already in Greenland? Oh, you didn't know that because you didn't know what you're talking about. While the deal didn't go through... At the time, Truman wanted to buy for $100 million Greenland. We kept troops on the island through Greenland's agreement all the way through the Cold War. And today, the Air Force, uh, what they call the 21st Space Wing, is located in a base called Thule, T-H-U-L-E. That's how I'd say it, Thule, T-H-U-L-E, Air Base in western Greenland. And it supports our ballistic mission, defense, and space missions. The short and long of that is it's protecting your little butt in case somebody wants to cause us problems over here. We're not going to wait and fight, fight the war in Sacramento. 
We're going to fight the war before it gets to us. You get it? So we got bases all over the country. In fact, when I went to the Philippines at that time, there was Clark Air Base that we were operating in the Philippines. So uh, Tom Cotton says, America is not the only nation. Did you know that we're not the only nation wanting to buy Greenland? Have you ever bought a house and there were other people wanting to buy the house? And you think, oh, I hope we get it. We love it. It's perfect for us. America is not the only nation to recognize Greenland's strategic significance. Who do you think might be interested? I'll let you think about it for a second. Intent on securing a foothold in the Arctic and North America, China is attempted in 2000. They already did this. They made a pitch in 2016 to purchase an American naval base, an old American naval base in Greenland. They said, we want to buy the naval base. But the Danish government stopped it. Two two years later, that'd be 2018, was back at it. They attempted to buy three airports on the island. Chinese got a lot of money. What are they doing? You didn't hear about this? You didn't know that. You didn't have this in your brain when when you reacted to Trump wanting to buy it. You thought, oh, he's just an egomaniac. Oh, really? Two years later, you know, Trump knows more about stuff than you do because he's president, right? Obama knows stuff more than you and I do because he he knew some skinny going on, right? He should if he was going to the meetings. Two years later, China was back attempting to buy three airports on the island, which failed only after intense lobbying by who? By the Trump administration saying, don't do that, please. Please don't do that. If you want our support, if you want our help over there when things get gnarly, please don't do that. It's causing us problems. Beijing understands, says Cotton, not only Greenland's geographic importance, but also its economic potential, economic. Greenland is a rich and wild array of mineral deposits. What are we using minerals for? For computers, high tech, defense. Right. Those special trace minerals, they go into those chips in your phones and in your computers. China currently dominates. Dominates means they control the market in these particular minerals, except for Greenland and has threatened to withhold them from us. That would us was the USA to gain leverage in trade negotiations. Greenland also possesses untold reserves of oil, and natural gas. Now, I know if you're a liberal and you think all oh, that ugly natural gas and oil, I'm, I had a great article. I wanted to talk about oil. We're going to run out of time. I can see, but there's a great article on it's, it's a, uh, I don't know, 160th anniversary of oil being found in Pennsylvania. There's a great article by an Asian woman. I may, I may use some references for my territorial article this week. Listen, an agreement to transfer Greenland's sovereignty must also serve the interests of our good friends, the Danes, according to Cotton. And the, there's 56,000 people living in Greenland. Their conclusion ought to include the fact that despite Greenland's long-term potential, a lack of infrastructure and financing still hurts the island's economy. Do you know the island is goes broke every year? And Denmark transfers, or they donate, almost a billion dollars to keep the island going because they can't figure out how to earn enough money themselves. Well, oil and gas would do that. Of course, you liberals out there think you're going to you're going to supply. All the energy of the world was solar and bird blenders, even though it only covers 2 or 3% now. 
despite historical ignorance of the of the uh, president's critics, the negotiated acquisition of sovereignty is a longstanding and perfectly legitimate tool of statecraft, particularly in the American tradition. Now, let me just I'm just you can look it up. I don't have time to, to go into the details. More than one third of America's land was purchased. Did you know that? You didn't know that. That's okay. You can don't tell anybody. Just write it down, and you can Google about it and tell them how you learned all this. Just re- doing research. You just had a hunger to know more, and you just re- did your own research. So Spain, from Spain, we bought Florida. Did you know that? And from France, we got what they called the Louisiana Purchase. Maybe we that's down there in the New Orleans area, right? Mexico, the Gads, Gadsden Purchase, right? And I already mentioned Alaska was from Russia. They sold it to us. Fair and square, as somebody once said. So, uh, so what Cotton has to say, Washington and Copenhagen, Denmark, have engaged in exactly this kind of transaction in 1917. In other words, this isn't the first time we've ever purchased something from Denmark. You'd think, listening to the news, that, oh my God, how offensive, how disgusting, how belligerent and arrogant that the President of the United States would want to buy another country. Well, President Woodrow Wilson in 1917 paid $25 to purchase the Danish Western Indies, or West Indies. So, who today would consider Secretary of State Seward, uh, his purchase of Alaska was crazy? I don't think any, hardly anybody. Would anybody? I don't know. I just, you just kind of, if you're born in the United States, you think, oh, Alaska, it's one of the, fi- one of the 58 states, as Obama would say. On the contrary, Alaska has been a great blessing to Alaskans, they've been blessed by being connected to America, right? And to all Americans. What a beautiful place. Lots of my friends have all been to Alaska. I think I'm the only one that I know hasn't been up there. My dad even drove there. He drove a pickup up there to see it. Drove He did it the road warrior way. So our nation has much to gain, as do the Danes and Greenlanders. So... Again, Trump and and this thing with with the tariffs, you know, it's just shocking to me. You know, I've learned so much, not that I traveled to learn, but when I go to other countries, like I ship stuff into I ship containers, two or three containers into Cambodia every month, 20 and 40 foot containers. So I learned by shipping stuff there, the difficulties in getting through customs and corruption in these other countries. And I learned that if you're shipping various types of vehicles and stuff, they charge you like like if you want to have a car in Hong Kong, like all the protests right now in Hong Kong. If you have a fifty thousand dollar vehicle and you move to Hong Kong because you're going to work for a company and you want your own vehicle in Hong Kong, that's going to cost you an extra fifty thousand dollars to have that there. You're going to pay for the car. Then you're going to pay Hong Kong for have a car on the streets because the, the city is so congested. That's called a tariff, folks. And China has been holding us hostage with tariffs on selling to their country. So people say, I, I get a kick out of these people say, well, you know, 
I, if you're a, a true free marketer, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have any p- tariffs. I'm totally in agreement in a in an ideal situation. So you have 197 nations in the world. If 197 nations that are all trading with each other say we're not going to charge you tariffs, you don't charge our, us tariffs. No tariffs anywhere. Then then we're good to go. No tariffs. But where where the U.S. isn't charging China tariffs or they charge 10 percent tariff. Right. And China's charging us 100 or 200 percent tariffs. That that is that's what we call a tariff war. Well, that's been going on the entire eight years of Obama, the entire eight years of George W. Bush and entire years of the previous people, Clinton and Bush before him. You get it? You did just because you don't know something doesn't mean the people that are telling you what's shaking are stupid. Trump actually knows because he's doing businesses. And if you're doing business in other countries, whether it's nonprofit business or profit for profit business, you understand the rules and the rules were getting screwed by China. Every China. Did you know that if you, if you're a business and you want to take and you want to do your business in China, you have to turn over all your intellectual property, all your inventions, all your patents to China and let them have them. You didn't know that you didn't, you really didn't know that. How do you think China got so far ahead so fast? They stole everything, man. Totally rip off. They're rip offs. They're st- they're, they don't have any rules. They don't abide by any law. If you get put in jail over there, they can they can take your kidney and give it to an American that wants to pay $100,000 for that kidney. And then they'll kill you afterwards. They'll take both kidneys, give it to other people, and kill you. You didn't know that. I'm sorry you don't know all these things. But that's the way it is. It, you know, if you're living in some sort of fantasy called liberal socialist America, you're going to get your nose broke before it's over. All right, so we're done today, and I uh, hope this comes out right. It went a lot better this week. I have some technical problems, and all the technical problems, I did this research, and they all come back to me, the operator. It's uh, operator failure. It sounded a lot better today to me. Dave Greenitz, he called me last week. He said, Lou, I think you've got problems. He said, why don't you, something's wrong over there. You need some help. So I called Tanner Martis, who's the techie that moved from here I wish he wouldn't have, but I don't have any hard feelings because he his people are in Texas and he got a he's buying a house there. He's moved his baby there, brought his wife as well. And so I got Tanner on the phone. We brainstormed for a long time this morning. We think we got this solved. So I and I got a second mic set up so I could start doing interviews. So hopefully in the in the future it will be better, better, better. So this is the twenty second episode. Hope you enjoyed it. This week, if you've run into somebody you haven't met, be kind to them because it may be an angel and you don't even know it. So God bless you, and uh, let's all work hard. And don't think the country is going to do well without you, right? Being stupid and passive is going to get your nose broke. Uh, Catch you later. All right. Especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody.
with the love. Sweetheart of meals. Sweetheart of meals. Sugar to kiss. <laughs> 